Did you listen to me read my? Because I recorded a little bit at the beginning of. I haven't picked that one up yet. I'm still um, right. on Dark Fate. I just recorded like a little two minute thing of just like, hey, sorry, daylight is delayed two weeks, and then afterwards, because that put went up three days after the clocks moved ahead. I was so angry with myself that I didn't say it's daylight savings time. <laughs> what a missed opportunity. Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history. Currently by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time. I'm Kevin Keen. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Daylight, released by Universal Pictures on December 6th, 1996. Starring Sylvester Stallone, Amy Brenneman, Viggo Mortensen, Dan Hedaya, J.O. Sanders, Karen Young, Claire Bloom, and Sage Stallone with Barry Newman and Stan Shaw. Written by Leslie Boehm, directed by Rob Cohen. To explosions, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> oh, man. So I I definitely didn't remember this movie. I don't think I've ever seen Daylight. I think I rolled my eyes when it was coming out. You already know why, because this entire genre just was the bane of my existence. See, that's why I would have assumed school. I would have assumed that you had seen it because you were so fascinated by disaster 90s disaster movies. But but I wasn't fascinated. I had I, I had a hatred of them. Sure. But I I would have thought you would have gone to see this just to hate watch it. So, I thought you had said you'd seen this. I've definitely never seen this movie before. Uh no, I I don't think that I have seen this. What I will say is that as a general rule, I do say that it's unfair to have not seen a movie and then complain about it. So most of the time, like Armageddon is a perfect example. I went into that movie convinced I was going to hate it. I did. I think I still think it's trash. But I didn't think it was fair to just assume it's a Michael Bay space destruction movie. It's going to be trash. Well, it's So fair. I paid my money to go see it, and it lived up to and exceeded my trash expectations. So it's probably unfair, but I don't th- I think after Twister, and I think Volcano... With Tommy Lee Jones, mm-hmm. that was it for me. I'm like, I can't do this genre anymore. <laughs> See, I guess maybe I was projecting onto you when I said I would have thought you would have hate watched this because I do have a morbid fascination with '90s disaster movies and then to a lesser extent '70s disaster movies. I like a good schlocky movie, and most of these '90s, I mean, Volcano is laughably bad. Okay, that, that and it's it's kind of unintentionally hilarious. I'll give you that one. My my memory of it, this one is not. But mm. I, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you okay I'm gonna let you finish that <laughs> okay that, that's unfair me sorry well I was just gonna say the first half of this movie I found to be unintentionally hilarious in that there's some 90s scenes. disaster movie way for a while it reminded me of Armageddon or Volcano of just like this is so overblown and just what a try hard movie and just everything is is. <laughs> <laughs> going for the gusto and yet still trying to failing miserably uh well it's it's there's this dichotomy where it's trying it's going for it wants to be this blockbuster you know oh everything is uh, larger than life and yet it's trying to portray this as like a realistic tragedy in, in in the same time it doesn't work but i was enjoying it for a while and then the movie just deflated. The last half of this movie is so boring. It's incredibly boring. And here, I, this is probably the only... There's like three notes in here on, on my notes that are probably worthwhile. I'm going to just lead off and probably... 
have all of what I have to talk about right here in this opening. Okay. And it's the genre in particular, but this movie is a perfect example of it. Why I hate, hate this genre. Because the villain is awful. In almost every disaster movie, the villain is the disaster, and there's... There's no pizzazz to it. This one, it's every once in a while, let's have a flame-up of, like, gas on the side, and we'll have an explosion over here, and oh, now the water. Who cares? See, I like the constant gas explosions happening in the background. Oh, my God. I roll my eyes every time. Of course, but I found it so funny that nobody's acknowledging, like, there's a constant, like, gas flame happening over there. You have limited oxygen, and you're just screaming at each other. No one's saying, like, hey, we need to conserve oxygen. Maybe we should put out that fire. Maybe we should stop talking, you know, wait until we're rescued. No, they're just screaming at each other about things that are totally unimportant. Meanwhile, there's a huge flame eating up all their oxygen. Okay. No one's thinking straight. No one's acting like a human being. I, I enjoyed it for all of its absurdities th- until all the point. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you. I think the moment that this movie dies, the moment that Roy Nord dies, I love Roy Nord. I I think Viggo Mortensen is incredible in this movie. I love that character. Okay. I, we're supposed to hate him, and I don't care. I, what's, I no, what's love funny? him. I think you're right. I think you're supposed to hate him. Yeah. And I don't know if it's Viggo Mortensen. I don't know what it is. Absolutely not. Be- only him and George. Like yeah. the, he w- They were the only two. Yeah. No offense to anybody. Everybody else could have died. I would have been totally okay with it. George did die, and I was very angry at the movie. And Vigo dies, and I was very angry at the movie. The two most likable characters. They're, they're dead. Both, yes. Yeah, at least you're right, because George does keep your interest yes. for a while. Like, no, yeah. and, like George, to be honest, no. I, at least to me, maybe you'll say I'm wrong, I think George is more heroic in this movie, oh, and sure. I think more of an interesting character than Stallone. So I wanted, give me one of the two of them, and you give me neither. And George has the emotional center of this movie where he's trying to get back yes. to his girlfriend and they just arbitrarily kill him off. Yes. And Roy Nord is the most fun character who's just like this plucky optimist. I don't care what so what bad situation this is. I've never, you know, I, I, like everything goes right for me. I'm Roy Nord. I'm amazing. And I'm going to get us out of this. And I, lo- I was like, yeah, I'd be right. I'd be with him. I'd be We're supposed him. to hate him. We're supposed to find him insufferable. And I just thought he was incredible. See, the thing is, is that if you're supposed to hate him, and I think you're right, I think that's the intention they either miscast it or Mortensen misplayed it because the problem is he's super charismatic. Well, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by misplayed it because you're, he didn't play it the way I think that the writer intended. So in that sense, yes, he did misplay it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that, if that's what they were going for, they either got the wrong actor or Mortensen just decided either to go a different direction or misread it in his interpretation because he is charismatic. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I think that's totally what happened is Viggo Mortensen read this character and either intentionally or unintentionally, either he went, this character is supposed to be unlikable, but I don't care. I'm going to play him like he's awesome. Or he didn't even realize that his role was to be this this pompous guy. And he just went like, okay, I'm just going to play him like he's he's the coolest dude in the world. He's got commercials. and I just, did, You love that commercial, didn't you? Oh, I absolutely I, did. I, the Super Bowl is coming up here in about a week, a week and a couple of days. Yeah. I want that commercial on the Super Bowl. Oh, two commercials he bought. He was like, let's go for it. If we're going to gamble, let's gamble. Like, yeah. Yeah, Roy Nord. <laughs> I really do want to talk about that. He is beyond. Of all of the things, I think that business plan is more reckless than him going and trying to crawl up in that tunnel. Well, yeah, he's supposed to, he's portrayed as this reckless fly by the seat of the pants kind of guy. That's why I loved him. <laughs> I, I like, want. I like your interpretation. I'm Roy Nord. Everything goes my way. That's He basically says that at one point. He's just like, nothing bad ever happens to me. I'll get us out of this. <laughs> it's something to that effect. 
Uh, I want like a ten episode season of the Roy Nord <laughs> adventures. I think I think it would be to see like him and it, you could. It, I have this in my notes. I'm stealing all, all the limited notes I have. We haven't even gotten into the big picture yet. We're just talking. Just, I'm going to tell you right now, Roy Nord in a social media world. I can't even imagine what Roy Nord is. Yeah. I, honestly. I, I I get the sense he was intended to be like a parody of Richard Branson or something, but he Maybe, transcends but I, that so much. Viggo Mortensen is bringing so much to this character. I'm telling you that uh, in Netflix or HBO 10-episode limited series mm-hmm. on Roy Nord, in present day with social media and being able to live stream with a GoPro, I can't even imagine what I love him. Seriously. I love his dumpy name. It doesn't matter. I'm Roy Nord. He's not like a guy who should be a janitor in a basement somewhere. It's it me, turned, Roy Nord. It, it, in terms, I had two things in my mind when you said that. Okay, the one is you're right. In terms of branding, that's awful. Roy Nord is such a. He bad wouldn't <laughs> with that name. He shouldn't be able to sell one pair of shoes, no. let alone multiple millions, probably pairs of shoes. <laughs> two, you know what? In, sp- thinking through this through out loud, you know what it reminds me of is The Simpsons. And when you get there, you want to bring back some of that nice green moon money for me, Royce McCutcheon? Sure. I think in a different world, Roy Nord is Royce McCutcheon. But Royce McCutcheon, you could see, you could wear a shoe that says McCutcheon on it. Probably. Just Nord. Nordy. Just imagine the word Nord on a shoe. It's like, yeah, it's the coolest brand we got ever. The Nords. <laughs> Forget the Jordans. Give me the Nords. Yeah. Anyway, Roy Nord is all I care about in this movie. Once he's dead, the movie's over. <laughs> And he dies like 40 minutes in. So He dies pretty early in. I still was somewhat... I was invested in George. So yeah, I, I get it. I was invested a little bit longer. But when they killed that just I'm like, you know what? I hope the whole thing collapses and everybody dies. They kill him so arbitrarily. We'll talk about it later. But uh, All right. for now, let's get started. All right. What day is it? What year? All right. It is December 6th, 1996. Uh, on an $80 million budget, th- this movie brought in more than I thought because I thought this was an unmitigated disaster, no pun intended. Uh, but it was not. Uh, uh, just under $159 million in uh, worldwide grows. Domestically, it was a disaster. Really? $33 million in domestic grows. Oh, so I th- I most th- of it was made uh, foreign at $126 million. I guess that makes sense, because, I mean, by this time, Stallone was a bigger star overseas than in the U.S. His, his star was falling. It was starting to fade. The Planet Hollywood, this was kind of the... The decline of Planet Hollywood, and he re- yeah. I mean, he moves on to Copland shortly after this of trying to reinvent himself. Yeah, so. and, and you can see him kind of moving in that direction a little bit. I mean, it's, it's that's he's an action star, kind of is. sort of, but not not really. So I added a little something to this. So that was uh, also from By the Numbers. Um, still not able to get back into. Because I'm not paying for Internet Movie Database Pro. I don't think this is going to change. So at some point, you don't have to continue to report that. Well, no, because I'm afraid (laughs) at one point I'm not going to be able to have the numbers. So we'll we'll see then. Just as an unsaid thing, we all acknowledge now that box office mojo sucks and uh, you're not using it anymore. All right. But so I added to it. I looked up what the Rotten Tomatoes was for Daylight. I got the audience score as well as the Rotten Tomatoes aggregator, which is the reviewers. Yeah, I, I, Do you want to wager a guess before I give it to Rotten you? Rotten Tomatoes isn't as good the farther back you go because they've got to pull like archival stuff. It's true. I would guess the critic score is 45% and the audience score is 62%. <sighs> You have grossly overestimated. Wow. Uh, 25% from the critics, 37% from the audience. Wow, 37% is low. It's really bad. Who? I mean, that's the thing. I, I assumed it would be higher because who's going on to Rotten Tomatoes to give a review to Daylights you know, in the modern day? You'd only do it if you liked the movie. 
I or guess if you not. really hated the movie. I guess. All right. So that week in the box office, the number one movie in America is a holdover. It is not Daylight. Uh, 101 Dalmatians is the number one movie in America with just under $14 million in uh, domestic box office growth. Wow. The number two movie is Daylight with just over $10 million. Uh, number three, a Star Trek movie. It's 96 is his first contact. First contact, yes. It is in its... Uh, second week in release, uh, just on just over six point six million. Ooh, that's not very good for a second week. Uh, no, Picard just came sorry, out today. Week, sorry, that's week week number three. Okay, I, I was going to say yeah, it's week number three. I'm sorry. Star I'm Trek sorry. movies have never set the world on fire, but that seemed yeah. pretty low for a second week. Well, if you want, in its third week, the total gross of First Contact was seventy one million dollars, which yeah, is not I, a bad. Number. I know it did okay. This is literally the day that Picard released. That they were recording. Oh this yeah, I forgot that was coming out today. Yeah, I already watched it. Uh, an Arnold movie cracks the top four. Very excited. Uh, jingle all the way. Jingle all yeah, the way. I was say, it's, it's December. It's got to be jingle all the way. The number way. one smash hit movie. I almost said Eraser until I said, wait, December 6th? No, it's definitely jingle all the way. Number five movie in America. I can sum it up with one line that was repeated over and over in the trailer. Give me back my son. <laughs> yes. Um, what's the name of that movie? <laughs> Ransom. You probably just know it by give me back my son. I only know it because of you. Yeah. This is 96, we were still in high school, and I swear, I, I used to hear you from around the corner. <laughs> I would just hear you from, like, two hallways away, mocking that trailer, going, give me back my son! I really hate For, it. like, three months. This is not an exaggeration, it's right? It's not. You were walking around high school for months, going, give me back my son! Because it was right up there with, a few years earlier... I fought with this man. It was very much the fugitive, but it was a terrible line and just hammered. Oh, and I mean, yeah. this is back in the day of network TV and trailers being on over and over. Uh, to be honest, I never see movie trailers unless I seek them out now. But, you know, you're watching TV, you hear the same one, and it's, give me back. It didn't matter which version of the trailer. Oh, yeah. Every single trailer, every single commercial had yes. that. I, I definitely will agree with that. All right. Uh, the number six movie in America, Space Jam, the Bugs Bunny, <laughs> Michael oh, sure. Jordan joint. You don't have to explain what Space Jam is. That's like Millennial's favorite movie. That's like their Star Wars. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Kind of is. Are you serious? Yeah, well, they're making a new Space Jam. That movie's out. terrible. It's fun, whatever. It's for kids. Oh, it's terrible. We were too old for it, that's all. It's a terrible kids movie. There's good kids movies. That's not a good one. I, I don't mind Space Jam. We'll see how the LeBron Space Jam goes. Are you not aware of that? I'm not aware of it. No, At least right. it's not Steph Curry. No, it's LeBron James in Space Jam something something. I don't know if they're calling it Space Jam 2. No one, so assuming that'll be a kid's movie, no kids will remember Space Jam. No, so, so they can just, they could just, it could just be a reboot and call it Space Jam. Also, LeBron waited too long. He's too old now. Like, he's, he's, no one cares about him anymore. Like you said, they could, yeah. they probably should have done it with Steph Curry. Like, he's, uh, he's no, the you, know, you know, it should really, I mean, in like a year or two, it'll be Zion Williamson. It, nobody will care about Steph Curry anymore. Well, sure, but. It's a question of whether or not Zion will be as big like a media star as like LeBron or Michael Jordan. I, People have to know who this, the person is who don't follow basketball. It's true, but I, I think he's going to be, but I could be wrong. Probably. But uh, number seven, Elaine Bennis is not a fan of this movie. The English Patient is the number seven movie in America. I've never seen that. Uh, and then the last, well, I guess the last one of the top ten. Number eight, I don't recognize the mirror has two faces. Oh. Um, you know that? I'm impressed. Wait, wait, wait. Is that... You're asking the wrong guy. I don't oh, know. No, I, I, I was no. I was. I'm thinking of the man without a face, which is a Mel Gibson movie, <laughs> or the man in the Iron Mask. No, that's a, that is a Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> no, uh, I know three uh, Three Musketeers movie. Uh, number nine is Set It Off. Number ten, a Leonardo DiCaprio movie, Romeo and Juliet. Ah. Uh, all right. So in TV, 1996-97 rating ratings. Number one TV show in America, ER, which feels like that show was on forever, and this. 
was definitely at the peak. I don't think it ever... The mid-90s to the late 90s was yeah. the peak of that show. Clooney really might have been gone by then. Yeah, it was getting close if yeah. he wasn't. Because I think The Peacemaker was came out this year, actually. And so. out of, wait, was he in Out of Sight? He was absolutely. Yeah. Out of Sight's, the, I think, the best of the Elmore Leonard. That was 95? I I'll bet he was off of VR. Yeah, now. he was probably gone. You're right. Number two, Seinfeld, uh, which we certainly have quoted many times. Number I, th- I almost quoted everyone out of the channel at the start of this episode instead of... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the cause of and solution to <laughs> everyone out of the channel. Uh, number three, suddenly Susan. I wonder if that Seinfeld joke was specifically a reference to to daylight, <laughs> a, a mockery of daylight. That would be it's great. The, you, this theoretical movie Channel that uh, at some point they go to see Brown Eyed Girl. I forget if they go to see Channel or uh, oh no, that was it was Kramer doing the movie phone thing. Yeah, that, he does the fake trailer for Channel. Yes, which is the European daylight. I assume. I think you're right. As it probably is. <laughs> Uh, number four is Friends. And then it's funny as man, there were a lot of shows in the, the rest of this. I do not recognize. The Naked Truth. Mm. It was tied for number four in the ratings. I don't even know what it is. No, me neither. Number six, Fired Up. Don't even know <laughs> what that is. You know, this was the era where you just put something after Frasier and it does well. You know what I mean? Like, I don't it, know if Frasier's prob- on this list. No, but. it's not. It's Friends, Frasier, and like Home Improvement is coming up. So it's probably that. It's yeah, just, you just throw a show on after a popular show yeah. and it gets good ratings. Number seven, Monday Night Football. Number eight, The Single Guy. Don't know it. I vaguely remember that. Number nine, Home Improvement. And number 10, Touched by an Angel. All right, on the history front, the S&P 500 is at 743.25. I went just a little bit outside of December to get the first history nugget here. November 26th, the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas is imploded to make way for the Venetian Hotel. On December 2nd, U.S. President Bill Clinton sells, signs the Electric Freedom of Information Act amendments, which basically takes the Freedom of Information Act from like the 1960s uh, and updates it for electronic communications. Myself being a local government elected official, I'm very familiar with the Freedom of Information <laughs> Information. Oh yeah, you got you got to file a lot of like. Uh, I don't file them, but they'll they'll come in and the, the FOIA requests a lot of. I'm not the FOIA officer, but I have got to be, comply with. Yeah, them. exactly, okay. exactly. Uh, December fifth, Jermaine O'Neal becomes the youngest player in NBA history, making his debut with the Portland Trailblazers. I wonder if that he remains the youngest because at some point they put in that rule you have to play for one year of college. Yeah, but I, and. It, Kobe was after him. Kobe was after him, and so was LeBron. And neither, so I just, oh, yeah. it depends on like when their birthdays fell and when they yeah, got yeah. into the game, probably. I wonder who it is. Uh, December 6th, the General Motors EV1, the first production vehicle of an electric car of the modern era, is launched and becomes available for lease. There's actually a pretty good documentary, uh, Who Killed the Electric Car? I don't know if you've seen it. I was just going to, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I was just about to mention. Yeah. If I haven't seen it, I'm familiar with the documentary. Yeah. So the I'm also e- familiar with the Simpsons gag. I don't go very fast or very far. <laughs> was it presented by General Motors? Here's yes. a future electric car. I think so. December 20th, uh, Steve Jobs' company Next is bought by Apple Computer, the company he co-founded. Uh, and actually, that the company, so he was fired from Apple founds next which eventually is sold to apple and they they mostly bought it actually i think to bring him back as the ceo yeah but the software developed by his company is actually the basis for the ios and everything in the apple operating system kind of going forward oh, didn't know that uh december 25th quote probable date this is the depressing part of the show uh, get the button ready. Uh, the death of John Benet Ramsey, a six-year-old beauty queen, is beaten and strangled in the basement of her family's home in Boulder, Colorado. His 
Her body is found the following day. Well, that's the definition of this button. Oh, death and grief and sorrow and murder. See, when, it, when, it's, when it's that depressing, I feel bad hitting that button because I don't want to seem like we're po- poking fun at her death. No, I'm, I was just... This, this button was intended to liven the podcast back up when you bring us down with bad news. It actually does the opposite. It actually enhances, it amplifies the bad news by making it seem like we're monsters and making fun of it. I can't I don't win. think I can hit this button anymore. I cannot win with this. <laughs> December 31st. You can choose which news to report and which news. You know, it's 24-year-old news, so if you skip some things, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) All right. Well, on December 31st, the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway was merged with Burlington Northern to form the BNSF Railway, Ah. making it one of the largest railroad mergers in U.S. history and the railroad that I take to work almost every day of the week. You know, it's funny. I'm planning a vacation, and I'm going to be taking that train southwest oh, in a couple of months. Oh, hey, a train vacation. Gonna, I like I'm it. I'm going to train across the U.S. I like on it. On the Burlington Northern. I have wanted to actually do a train, whether it be to um, go up the coast of California or something like that. I've always wanted to do. I'm going to take it to uh, Arizona, and I'm going to rent a car, and I'm going to do a big loop around the southwest and see the Grand Canyon and just drive yes. around. Well... Gosh, kind of a lot's happened since then. Sidebar, I've been to the Grand Canyon one time, and the weather when we got there, and we kind of knew and shouldn't have gone anyway, zero visibility. I, <laughs> we literally could not see anything through. Basically, the snow could not see anything. What month did you go? It was like late November, early December. Okay. And I mean, we I'm were going in April. Yeah, no, you'll be fine. <laughs> We were visiting family that was, you know, not that far from the Grand Canyon. So it wasn't super out of the way. Sure. So we're like, eh, we'll try. It really was zero visibility. For something that massive to be able to see nothing, we legitimately could see nothing. Well, I'll tell you this. We'll get back to the podcast in a second. But I'm not actually – at no point am I going to be staying in Albuquerque. I'm gonna, My last day, I'm going to stay in Santa Fe and then take the train back. But it's an hour away. Santa Fe is only an hour to Albuquerque. So I will be swinging by Walter oh. White's house and taking a picture. I hope so. I, I hope <laughs> you can find a few other things to do while you're there because there, oh, there yeah. is a lot of Breaking Bad related stuff to do in Albuquerque. I, I'm not at no point will I be staying in Albuquerque, but it's, it's an hour drive away, so it's worth you know. I'll drive there. I'll spend you know five six hours in Albuquerque and you know do you know do whatever. I haven't planned the specifics like what you're, I want. You're going to look for Chuck McGill's house too, right? Uh, I don't know where that. I don't know if uh, that's known where that is. I'm not sure. It's not as iconic. Either. I don't know if I would recognize it. I'd be like, I guess this is it, but I don't remember. I, I did tell you that at one point in my my job years and years ago. Like during the financial crisis, working on problem loans, that one of them was Hank Trader's house, right? No, I don't think you ever did. Yeah, so quick, we'll get back to a quick sidebar. Is so at the uh, end of that, like cul-de-sac. Yeah. So huh. the re- the reason why it looks like man, it looks like that cul-de-sac that they just it looks like the Bluth Company. <laughs> yeah, there's Valley. nothing around there. There's yet. a reason why because those were basically the model houses that were built for a housing development that never got off the yeah, ground. I believe it. So they're like, well, yeah, you can use it as a filming location. <laughs> now, so that's now the you mentioned why. it, you never see down the street. You no, only see the four houses around that cul-de-sac. There wasn't any. And I, there was, I was so mad is the person who got assigned to it was not a fan of the show. And I, I was at the time friendly with her and even more so as our careers went on. And when you're in that job, you work yourself out of that job. I, to this day, I still bring it up. I'm like, I can't believe that you did not care in the least and got that assigned. I'm like, that is one that I would have insisted that I needed to see the property, that I absolutely needed to see it because I would have posed for like 100 pictures yeah. outside of that. You want to get in the garage and yeah, uh, you know, bring some Schrader brow? Brew some Schrader brow, and I probably would have said you know, into the camera, tread lightly. 
Uh, although at that point, that episode had not aired yet. All right. I was going to say, Schrader Brow is probably not available. You don't drink anyway, so no, I don't. you wouldn't know, but uh, I, I need to try some Schrader Brow. I've not bought any Schrader Brow yet. Neither have I. All right, so then to round it out, I did the bookends, also on Decer- December 31st. November, we lost the Sands Hotel. December 31st, the Hacienda Resort in Las Vegas is imploded to make way for Mandalay Bay. That seems like an upgrade to me. I don't know. You're, you're Mr. Vegas. I don't know. Mandalay Bay and the Venetian are both very nice. But there's a part of me that was sad that in the 90s, almost all of the old mob, not all, but just about all the old mob casinos, they, they were gone by the yeah. late 90s. That one time, I was, I was glad at least, that one time we went like 12, 13 years ago to Vegas, and the Stardust was still there, yep. and we were hanging out at the Stardust a lot. I, that was cool, just to be like, this place will be gone in a year. We may as well like see it and hang out in like one of the last old-time Vegas uh, casinos. They, it did get torn down to build a new resort. And this wasn't. This was after the crisis. That's what killed me. Is the Stardust made it? They didn't tear it down. Then they they finally tore it down after years after the crisis, and it's sat vacant. I think now it's being built upon. But I would go put a sports bet in the sports book in the Stardust every time because that was the first sports book ever. Yeah. And what casino? I mean that that is the casino that the movie Casino is. Is based on. You wouldn't know it to look at that sports book, but then again, I guess when it's the oldest sports book, it's not yeah. going to be the nicest sports no. book. It's going to be this, like, you know, it's just like a bunch of. Uh, oh, it's old. Yeah, yeah it was old. It's just a row of people standing behind the kiosks right. taking bets, and that's in a couple of TVs. All right, finishing out the history, the New York Times bestseller for the week is Silent Honor by Danielle Steele. And the Billboard Top 100 for actually the entire month of December was Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Oh, okay. And that's what we had going on in December of 1996. It's funny how little of that seems familiar to me, despite the <laughs> fact that uh, that was prime teenage years for us. You I do mean, remember one thing from it. Give me back my son! I did that, that makes up for the rest of it. That is, I'll never forget <laughs> Give Me Back My Son. That's, a, that's entirely because of you, though, not because of the movie. I st- I've still never seen Ransom. I don't know if you have. You're not missing much. No, I have seen it. You're not missing much. Okay. It's not terrible, but it's not good. I kind of figured. Anyway, let's move on to the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. All right, the big picture where we discuss the plot of the movie. Yes, daylights where people get trapped in a tunnel and don't do much for a while. Kind of stumble around. You ready for the mine? movie? Sure, go ahead. That's ba- that's actually might be more succinct than mine. <laughs> yeah. You, normally, I'm the one who goes on and on, but this, the plot is kind of brain dead. This plot. But go ahead. All right, here I'm going to try it. Ready? Some contractor wants to take a shortcut on disposal of dangerous chemicals, while almost simultaneously a frantic jewel heist unfolds <laughs> shortly thereafter. Not almost simultaneously, they literally collide. So they collide, but the, it seems like it gets really dark. So it seems like maybe it took a while for them to get those chemicals oh, yeah, from okay. Jersey. I, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. The trucks were coming away. Yeah, 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 but it, it's close. Yeah, yeah. Explosion occurs within the Holland Tunnel. Stallone must help a few survive a lot of water and explosion and burning effects. That's it. <laughs> that is it. I can't really elaborate. I mean, I do want to go through the the plot to the best of our ability, but that really is it. The the fun parts are Stallone getting into the tunnel and the initial kind of You mean the these fans are timed yes. that it seems to be has to exist in every movie? I loved those fans. They're <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I, we got taken to task a lot, in particular me. I'm, I'm guilty of this of just calling movies stupid, and as like a, we, it's it's both an insult and a compliment frequently on this podcast. So just like we enjoy it, and sometimes it's stupid, and we enjoy it, and sometimes it's stupid and it's bad. But in this case, I thought it was so stupid, I enjoyed it so much. That sequence is laughable, and I I was laughing. 
I mean, I literally was laughing, going like, I think this is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing at that. I kind of wish I watched it with you. Poor Stallone. He, you know, I, I here's what I'll say about Stallone. I think. He's very, very likable in a role that, where he has nothing to do. He's supposed to be the hero, and once he gets in there, just like, I don't know what to do. Oh, George is the hero, I'm telling <laughs> yeah, he, you. Yeah, he is. But I do, I, I like roles where Stallone, watching this movie made me realize my perspective on Stallone and why sometimes I like him and sometimes I don't. I like it when Stallone is a friendly everyman like Rocky. I, I grew to love him as Rocky, and so any role that's even remotely like Rocky... I'm going to enjoy his performance. And he's like that. He's just like a nice guy. And, you know, the first time you meet him, he's smiling and he's this taxi driver or like a town car driver or whatever. He's like, oh, I'm going to get you to where you want to go. Let's go. He's very positive and very, like, jovial in a way that I really enjoy. And so when I see him just stumbling around in a fan, I'm going like, oh, like he was giving a good performance and then they're putting him through this garbage. <laughs> You know, like, I think he could have been very good in this movie if they didn't just give him the most, like, ridiculous nonsense to do. Well, That's the shame. It's a disaster movie. It's all going to be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but it could have been him giving speeches like, we're going to survive. There's none of that. There's not, he's not given anything really emotional to do. It's all logistical. It's like, I somehow know this tunnel because I used to be the, the director of EMS or whatever it is. He's yes. chief, former chief, and he, there was a tragedy in the backstory that I don't necessarily... Never, do you, you don't care, and you... Barely scratched the surface anyway. Well, you get enough details to get the sense that, like, this doesn't seem like someone he would have got fired over. It's like there are emergency services that are put in dangerous situations. It's, I'm sure there are tragedies. It's, it's, it sounds like it was something that was a shame, and maybe he did make a wrong call, but to be, like, fired over it right. seems, it's, it's, it's hard not, to tell. It's not like he was corrupt, or it doesn't even right. sound like it was gross incompetence. Right, yeah. He, yeah. Just, he just made a bad call, and people died, and it's like, that's the kind of thing that people in that line of work I'm sure have to deal with. It's like being in the military. It's yeah, like, you know, but if I, you're a general and you, you lead people to their death, it's not that doesn't necessarily mean you did a bad job if I think it's you're what right, you had to do. But I have some theories on the mayor of this of New York at oh. this point in time. Not the real mayor, but the whoever the fictional mayor is. Was that supposed to be the mayor, that woman that comes in? No, I think, you know, she's she's a representative of the mayor yeah but the way that the engineer i have it in here the way the engineers come to the decision sure yeah yeah, yeah it's good yeah close it down <laughs> i just i get the feeling that it's like that mayor is constantly having to have heads roll because he's got incompetence all around him or her well it almost feels like we're jumping ahead a lot so i, I want let, let's roll back in a minute but i mean that scene where this woman comes in it's just like i'm from the city and you're we're gonna start drilling and they're like, well, this could kill everyone in that tunnel. She's like, I don't care. There's, there's traffic building up, whatever she says. Well, in her defense, she is. you can't prove that there's anybody alive in the tunnel. They had no, no knowledge that anybody was still alive at the point when they were discussing it. But they knew that people were – at, at some, some point, point they yeah. were in touch no, with and, living and, people in the tunnel. And, and so she is saying – no, she then says – it's the engineer's decision, and that actually is what I love because it literally. Hold on, it yeah, it's it, just two guys, and they take ten seconds to make the decision, and it's like two guys. They, they it's bare because I'm I'm assuming many people are not going to watch this movie, but it's just two guys facing each other. Open it up, yeah, open it up, and that's it. That seems like the entire discussion. And they're like, yeah, we're opening. Can this I tell up. you that discussion happened so quickly that I didn't even real. I didn't notice it. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but I totally believe it. It is yeah, so great. That's how quickly it happened, because I must have looked down for a second. And it I reminded missed it. me of the Simpsons, the writers. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's just two guys. Open, oh, open it up. And it's very quiet. That's probably why you didn't hear it, but it's one oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> one guy with the question mark opening up, and the other guy, 
Yeah, yeah. Open it up. And that's it. And she's just ready. Drill it. We're opening this thing up because yeah. the engineers make the decision. What kind of a city is this? It feels like this movie is making, like... The tiniest steps towards making some kind of like political statement about oh, bureaucracy. I don't think so at all. <laughs> but no, no, they don't commit to it in any way. It's just like, look, we're doing this. It's, it's only to create a ticking clock for yes. the people in tunnel. They're going to drill, and once they break through, it's going to create it. a pressure wave to yeah. kill everybody or something. I don't necessarily understand any of the there'd be more engineering. Fl- there'd just talk be more flames. <laughs> no, but they put out the flames. <laughs> Stallone used a bomb to put out the flames because <laughs> explosions are the solution to all their problems that were caused by this, the explosion. So <laughs> you, you really know. did sum it up perfectly. The explosions, the cause of solution to it all is. of life's problems. Because well, <laughs> he's Stallone is playing Kit something. He's like an EMS guy. Yes, Kit something. Kit Latura. Which, Latura, yes. That's my first little detail. That is the name of Sylvester Stallone? Well, what made me laugh is I didn't catch that his name was Kit for a while. And so the first person who's talking to him is uh, um, uh, uh, Dan Hedaya. And he's just like, come on, kid. I, 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 I <laughs> thought he was saying I kid. Thought I thought he was calling him kid. And I'm watching going like, Dan Hedaya's not that much older than Sylvester Stallone. But Stallone's no. 50 in this. I'll bet Dan is 55. I thought the same thing. And what I got infuriated by is later on, the, the dad who desperately, I think, wa- I know he doesn't, but wants to be Will Ferrell. He just reminded me of Will Ferrell. Okay, yeah, I, I see it. I, that actor's been in other things, but he reminds me of Will Ferrell. When he, he's called, kid, we're with you. I'm like, hey, but I thought, he, I'm like, kid, why is he calling him kid? It's he's a, not his buddy. He barely knows this guy it would work better if this was an english movie because the english pronounce their t's americans don't so everyone every time everyone says kit it just sounds like kid because if we, we pronounce both those things the same way so you know I'm, the whole movie i'm going like why is everyone calling him kid he's 50 years old anyway it took me a long time to realize kit. oh kit his kit. name is kit latura okay that, but anyway, that is along the lines with all of the Johns and whatever that uh, Schwarzenegger had. That we, sure, I do not see Sylvester Stallone as a kit. Well, uh, who was it? The director uh, Rob Cohen. Uh, he originally wanted to cast. Who was it? Oh, it was either Nicholas Cage or uh. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm just thinking Nicholas Cage because you know to annoy me. Um, you want to talk about me really hating this movie? If it had Nicholas Cage. Yeah, maybe it wasn't Nicolas Cage. It was somebody else. And the studio said, no, you're putting Sylvester Stallone in this movie. I, uh, I would have been rooting for the fans in that sequence if it was Nicolas Cage. <laughs> uh, just imagine all of the mugging he would have done in this movie. Come on, <laughs> Nicolas Cage. He's fun. It doesn't work for Stallone. There's no doubt about it. They should have changed his name because Kit is a strange name so, for Sylvester right, Stallone. Uh, get, sorry, we got sidetracked. But yeah. yeah, he's an ex-EMS. The explosion occurs. He happens to be on the scene. Right. And it's just now frantically, like, following him. Well, but he volunteers to go in. Well, the the he, chief, the, the current chief dies, foolishly. Yes. And uh, so I guess he, it's like, well, Kit's here, and he used to run this thing, so let's let him run it again? Is that what I don't get. Yeah, I don't understand that either. But for some reason, he's going to be the one who goes in. For some reason, that reminds me of a very early episode. I'm Kyle Reese, and I'm driving that. That's what yeah. I kind of get. I'm Kit, and I used to be in charge. The guy in charge. Forget Dan Hidea. Doesn't matter that he really is in charge now. I'm in charge. Well, but I'm remembering now there is a scene where Dan Hidea, like freezes up, and yeah. Stolen's like, make a call. You got to make a call. We got to go in there. And he's just like, oh, I don't want to. He doesn't want to take responsibility. No, he's like, oh, wait, you're willing to step up and <laughs> right. take the fall? Go right ahead. Yeah, so I think that's. Go right ahead, 
kid. Yeah, kid is the only one willing to do it, I guess, is why he goes in, even though he's a civilian, and they keep threatening to, like, arrest him for just being around. Suddenly, he, they go from that to him, like, se- sending him in to save the day in an instant. Yes. Shutting down fans. Yeah, our, our idiot boss. And giving boss, him explosives. Our idiot boss went to a tunnel and got crushed, so I guess you're, you're the guy now. I, I, maybe the most satisfying thing in this movie to me was the fact that that guy lasted, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. I did like, though, one thing I did appreciate early on this movie didn't end up being as uh nuanced as it seemed like it was going to be at first but i did enjoy how kit was just like always like non-confrontational and always kind of deflecting and not escalating confrontations like that is true he's there and the guys like you're you're you don't even he's work here to get, get out of here he's like i just want to help he's trying you're, to be a calming influence yeah he's just like yeah. you're the chief you make the decisions i'm just here to help and i'm here to tell you and we did the simulation a couple years ago, yeah. and this is what you should do based on what we did. I'm just here to give you information. The guy's like, "No, shut up, get out of here." And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm taking over <laughs> yeah. here. I'm Kyle Reese." But like, I liked, I liked the character because Kit's just like, "Okay, fine." Like he's, he didn't scream and yell at him. Like he's just like, "I'm, I want to help any way I can. You yeah. tell me how I can help." And I, I appreciated that that was the character that Stallone. And he wasn't, then, he wasn't trying to punch the guy out. He no, was just, the villain of the movie took care of it for him because he, it immediately crushes the guy, and then. <laughs> Kid is able to go ahead and become the hero. It's uh, you keep calling the the is the tunnel the villain or is the, no, the, the tragedy is the villain? Yes, yeah. that's what the villain. That's why disaster movies are lame. No, see, I disagree. I like it's an interesting thing about disaster movies is that there is no like human <sighs> villain most of the time. Sometimes there is. Um, you know, like Twister, or like the the Carrie Elway's team of like rogue <laughs> Twister chasers. <laughs> that's silly. But in in the in. I, I like how in most disaster movies there are there's no villain. It's no. just people trying to pull together. I find it hopeful that it's like it's like it's, they're usually movies about people coming together See, and to, to solve a problem. Yeah, I, I maybe I just don't want hopeful. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I guess no. so. Honestly, I want I I want a great villain because that's what makes for a great action movie. This it's like I. I have nobody to root against. It's just, oh, yeah, here, here comes another. We need a few flames here. Oh, we need a little water here. It's lame. Oh, I don't, I'm not arguing that this movie is lame. This movie is no, very I, lame. But I'm I, saying it can work. The, I, I, I like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mind a movie with no villain. I will take the Carrie Elway's team in <laughs> Twister I, over this any day. I, will, I, I do like Carrie Elway's in Twister. <laughs> I wasn't kidding when I say I like Twister. It's probably the best. My, my problem with Twister is that its success really pushed the genre forward. I actually don't hate Twister. I think it's, I, it's got a good cast. Sure. And really good effects for the time. Yeah, great effects. But the problem with it is, is that success. You hate it for what it spawned. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's what I really hate it for. So, I, I mean, then, like, how much more of the plot do you really want to talk about? Well, we I should mean, talk about the people trapped in there. There's, there's a bunch of, like... Do you care One about note any characters? Of them? We should talk about them. There's, okay. there's the let's, let's run through them. There's the screen, the, the, not the screenwriter, the, the playwright. It's a woman who's a playwright who played by Amy Brenneman. Okay, who, what's she been in? I, I think I vaguely recognize he, her. Oh, but, come on, Heat. Oh, she is uh, the girl from Heat. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's been in a lot of stuff. I, she, That's I don't, what I recognize. Re, her a really from. long uh, run on network TV, Judging Amy, which came, I think, after all of this, but okay. he was before this, and I think that was kind of like her big Yeah, that's why debut. I recognize her. I recognize yeah. her. I'm like, I need to look her up, and then I forgot to look her up. But, yeah, no, um, he, with, that's what I will always remember. Yeah. She doesn't have, she's not in it a ton, but has a pretty important role in, in Heat. Oh, very important. Yeah. Um, I knew I recognized her, so okay. As soon as you said Heat, I knew exactly which character from Heat she was. Yeah, she is a lot of women. She is definitely done with New York. <laughs> yeah, 
she makes up a, a Weird Al-esque parody as she leaves. <laughs> yes. That's her future career, I guess. She should work. <laughs> she should do a record with Weird Al. Well, she's got to escape her cartoonish, cartoonishly, uh, uh, you know, her apartment, which is like, you know, the, the most ridiculous portrayal of squalor. Cockroaches and rats. Oh, my. You know, it's, no, no, no. it is so cartoonish. Like, literally every single m- waking moment of her life in that apartment is she's, awful. She's beset by creatures. <laughs> like, it's like an oh, you Indiana Jones The movie. only thing she needed was a chud to come. That's <laughs> yes, all she true, yes. <laughs> that's when the chuds came <laughs> that's after. That's when the chuds came after me. I would be in, into that. If they just random. I, I kind of wished at the end, instead of the rats showing them the way, if the chuds would have shown them the way. I wish, yeah, if only New York movies started using chuds as the, the shorthand for squalor as opposed to rats and cockroaches. <laughs> it would be so just, much better. Just hanging out in the corner with the green glowing eyes. <laughs> All right, so then... His neck extends. You have what my first time through I felt bad because I thought they were just the beginnings of dog parents, which I'll admit, I have a problem with dog parents these days. But then as the movie goes on, you find out, oh, there's a reason why they... Really, really, you know, fawn all over this dog. Yeah. I felt bad. I'm like, oh, man, my nose. I'm like, you jerk. You should have watched the whole movie. I think, but I think they're sort of portrayed as buffoonish at the beginning. Like, the first conversation when we meet them, they're coming out of, like, some vet's office and like, well, you know, this isn't even worth the trip. He gets worked up from the car ride to the vet or whatever. They're, they're, they're. They're like these haughty, uh, rich, elderly couple who just have the dog. And, you know, like, I think it's supposed to be it is, comical. But, yeah. And I immediately realized, did you recognize the guy? No. He wants a guarantee on the box in Tommy Boy. It was killing me for a while. And then I'm like, oh, I know where I know this guy. I don't from. remember that yeah. scene. All right. Don't worry about it. Um, anyway, there's them. There's Roy. The- uh, which one's Roy? Oh, uh, Roy, Roy, uh, Roy Nord. Yeah, right. <laughs> Roy Nord. I just remember Nord. Yeah, so it's Roy Nord and his driver who sadly dies. Yeah. J- Jono or something? Yeah. Jono. Um, there's the prison bus. Yeah. The, the, uh, intersex prison bus. <laughs> they got <laughs> both men and women in this transfer bus for some, uh, for some reason. Yes. I don't know if that's actually. Three, three survivors, including Sage Stallone. Yeah, including Sage Stallone. I think there's four. Because there's You're like right. that scaredy cat guy. There's Sage yep. Stallone. Yeah. There's the tough guy who like I'm in charge. Yeah. And, there's, and then, there, and right. then there's, there's the woman. There's four. Um, who else is there? There's the the family, the dysfunctional family that uh, there's a, a father. There's Will Ferrell Whoa. and his wife <laughs> and their their 14 year old daughter. <laughs> Can you tell how disinterested we are in these survivors? We didn't even bother with character. Oh, names. I, I I most of the time don't even. I I know myself well enough to know I shouldn't even try to learn because I'll forget anyway. Um, but in this case, yeah, they're archetypes. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, here's here's your family. All irrelevant. Yeah, and then George, right? Is this George the security is, guy? He is the the, uh, the whole time. I just wanted George to make it out. No, the movie yeah. would not give that to me. And is that everybody? Are we forgetting anybody? I do have notes. I should probably check to see the notes, but I don't. I think that I think might be everybody. It. Stallone wants to get in, and they decide the only way in is through these fans, which we kind of already talked about. He makes his way down through <laughs> through a set of three fans, each of which. There, there's like timers inside the vents, just in case you're in a, in the vent and you're trapped. And that, you that was probably the best part. Three red LED timers <laughs> to tell him when the fan is going to start up again. Why are those in there? 
Exactly. But that's why I enjoyed it is it's so ludicrous for like nine different reasons. Also, like, why can't he squeeze through these? Like, Every single fan is like, I can't get through. And then he gets through and it's like, now I can't get through this one. It's like, well, didn't you learn anything from the fan above you? Didn't you learn how to do this already? You, you've been through the third one. How could you not have He's learned? He's still struggling. It's like, you did this twice already. You should know how to do this faster this time. That is why if you combine, if you had made it Nicolas Cage, I really would have been rooting for the fans. By that last one, it's like, I don't like Nicolas Cage, and you, this character has not figured out how to solve this puzzle by the third one. Fan, I hope you win. You know what? It, it, I don't think they ever considered Keanu Reeves for this role, but it, I, it, I'm thinking of him only because I saw someone on Twitter making fun of Keanu Reeves and Speed going, cans, they're just cans. You remember that scene? <laughs> Where they hit the, the baby carriage and it was full of cans. They were only cans. So now I'm imagining Keanu going, fans, <laughs> <laughs> to get through these fans. That would be. Great. I'm doing like a John Lennon impression. I don't know why I'm making Keanu Reeves British, but I am. Help us. Help, <laughs> help us. These fans can't get through them. <laughs> help us. All right. So what then ultimately happens is you go from, we got a, we got too much water coming in. Uh, well, Ragnar dies. We already kind of talked. He, he goes into a tunnel and thinks he can get out, and then he gets crushed by Dewey. <laughs> and it sounds like from that point on, you were no longer interested in the movie. Definitely. Because what's their plan? Because then Stallone gets in there. Um, they scream at him for a while. Like, the scene where he gets in there, and they just freak out. Like, are you it? You're the only one? It's like... And he's, like, disoriented because yeah. I forget. He, like, uh, it's the, the be, pressure or something. It, he, it was the pressure because he gets shot out into... Oh, the, right. The fans turn out, and he gets, like, pinned to the wall for a while. He gets pinned to the wall. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, too, so it was the noise from that. And for some reason, I think... He also had to use an explosive yes. to get up in. So I think almost it, crushes George in the meantime. Yeah, poor Very George. fortunate. Yeah. Yes. So I think from the, I actually think the ringing in his ears is more from the explosion than anything else. Okay. But like he comes up and they're so mad. It's only one person. How come on? It's just they're screaming at him. First of yeah, all, they like, thought it was going to be like SEAL Team Six. But it's like, hey, let him talk. Like wait for him to recover and let him explain what he's doing, what the plan is. But then B, it's like one person helping is better than none. Like they're they're so angry. Like only one person. Ah, like we hate you. Like he's here to help you, you ungrateful bastards. What what's wrong with all you people? It made me hate all of them. I mean that didn't help. From that point forward, at least at this point, Roy Nord is still alive. He dies like five, ten minutes later. Yes. But once they start screaming at Stallone, like, you know, you're the only one we're so angry about this, it's like how ungrateful can you be? Well, He's here to help. He fought through three fans to Will, get there. Will Ferrell is pretty much ungrateful almost yes. the entire time. Yes, definitely. He only gets redemption in like the last 10 minutes. So That's another thing that annoyed me because let's talk through this. Because, yeah, Roy Nord dies. His plan fails. Stallone sets a bomb to stop the water from coming in and also to put the flames out so that they can preserve their air. But then it's like, well, this only bought us some time. What's the plan from this point forward? Oh, let's just wander around. Oh, and then George gets crushed. Yes. Randomly, like a sinkhole opens up or something. Yes, that's the other thing, too. It's so arbitrary. It had not... If I understand it's a disaster movie, so they're going to constantly have things. But if there had at least been some setup to take the one character I was still rooting for and get him arbitrarily was infuriating. All they needed was a moment of like someone... Like a sinkhole opening up and someone be like, whoa, whoa. we almost, we almost yep. injured ourselves. And they never give you that. It just gets George. Set it up. Yeah, I'll just out of nowhere, a sinkhole opens up. It's like, wait a minute. This is a tunnel 
the river is all around them. If I don't a, if understand. A if a sinkhole opens up, shouldn't water be rushing in from the bottom? Because that, it's like there's we're surrounded by water. Well, you do get some water coming up because that's when they. He, oh sure. Stallone gives him like the radiator hose <laughs> <Yeah>. to breathe <laughs> through. Breathe, George. Like, he just met him five minutes ago. You have to live, George. Or whatever he says. He's so emotional about George. Kid, why are you so invested? I know. He's Most really... of those people are just now with George. I get it because George is trying to help. The rest of them might be like, oh, to hell with them. They've just been yelling at me the whole time. I thought it would have made a lot more sense if George and Kit knew each other. Because then at least yeah. he would have a reason to care yes. instead of just like a guy he met five minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, that's the thing. Is, and I get why George worked in the tunnel because they needed somebody that had some idea because eventually what ultimately saves them is <laughs> some, sh- you know, bo- not bomb shelter, but like a bomb shelter where the crew that d- built it in the 1920s. Yeah. The Sandhogs, which yes. I don't know if it's, it sounded offensive. It probably isn't. But they keep talk, it, talking about Sandhogs that built the tunnel. Kind, it so seems like, I don't, kind of offensive. I don't, I don't know what it is about that term. I've never heard it before, and I probably will never hear it again. But they just talk, talking about Sandhogs. I'm like, I don't, but what, I don't like this term, regardless of whether it's offensive or not. So you needed somebody to know the, the tunnel itself. But you're right. If George had been an EMS and it somehow had had a relationship yeah. with Stallone, it would have been more believable. Excuse me, believable. Yeah. Well, also, it annoyed me. A lot of things annoyed me from this point forward. But, like, for one thing, the whole group that's trapped in the tunnel, they rally to save George. They pull some, like, planks out of the back of the truck. Luckily, this truck happened to be carrying planks that they could use to to wedge the car off of George. Saving him temporarily, but it's only a pointless victory because he ends up dying anyway because they have to leave him behind in a minute. And then it's like... Well, I guess it's not pointless because then that's when George remembers. Oh, there's this tunnel to the 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 quarters where the the, the sand hogs, the sand hogs uh, lived. Yes, with a chapel and everything because they wanted to get the symbolism in there. Oh God, was that over the top? <laughs> it was I, very over the top. I have a very important question though here. You know, what we haven't uh, discussed what's that? Is isn't everybody in this movie collateral damage? Uh, well, there's definitely a lot of collateral damage for sure. I guess I, in a disaster, everything is collateral damage. That's what that's that's, I'm I feel like. Called collateral damage. I mean, George is pretty much everybody in this is collateral damage. But collateral damage implies that someone was trying to cause this damage and they caused that other damage. Nobody intentionally caused. I mean, I guess I guess the the jewel thieves caused the collateral damage. They because did. They, they weren't. But they weren't intending. They, they right. were just grossly incompetent. Because who's opening? I I have, I have this in question. <laughs> I want to talk about. Those, about I, wa- I want to talk about those jewel. Thieves. We should probably save that for the details. Yes. That that the devil's in the details there for sure. And that's that's for the little details segment. Because yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But in a way that I loved, I was really enjoying how ridiculous this movie was for a while. Okay. Anyway, what happens? They well, this is what annoyed me is that first of all, they all rally to try to save George. And then Failed. five minutes later, they're yelling at, at Kid again, like, you don't know what you're doing. It's like, what is the story this movie is trying to... Is it If it's trying to portray this group of disparate people coming you know, together, coming together and, and, and... Well, but they do. They come together. They save George. And it's like, yeah, we're going to rally and we're going to save George because we love George. And then suddenly this movie just goes... It's going in circles because then five minutes later, they're arguing again. It's like, Keep what it. is the arc of the story? It's because it's a disaster movie and the villain is lame. There's nothing to rally against. Well, the the, the rally they're, they're rallying against the situation they're in. They're rallying against the the uh, and to get a movie that's an hour and forty minutes or whatever it is, you got to oh no, nope, we got to go back in circles because we got to. Could you just be a good sport and tell us a little more? I maybe? mean, yes, I think that's part of what it, what it is. is. It feels like this movie is just circling for a while. It's in a holding pattern until 
they get to the ending sequence, which that's the other thing that annoyed me is George just suddenly remembers, oh, there's this tunnel to the Sandhog place. Go there. And it's like, well, couldn't Roy Nord have gone there? Why didn't you tell Roy Nord? <laughs> Why didn't you remember this before? The one character I like. And I he, didn't think about His that. plan is basically exactly the same as Stallone's. The only difference is the tunnel that they choose. Otherwise, it's, it's the exact same. So why, if you had told Roy Nord that, he could have gotten out, and they would, the rescue could have been done in four hours earlier. And I'm pretty sure you would have been okay if only Roy Nord had made it out. Well, sure. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have been surprised if Roy Nord got out. You know, I'm, I'm going to save everybody. There's that moment where he, he tells uh, the 14-year-old girl to film him, like, I, the world's going to want up this per, for posterity yeah. of how which, I saved all of you. Which I did love. But then, yeah, I, would have to- I totally believe... If he had gotten out, he would have just forgotten. Like, he wasn't too busy. He was already planning his press conference while he was escaping. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. He was on his cell phone. He's not trying to... He finally managed to get through on his $1,000 cell phone or whatever. And he he could very easily be like, all right, I need to call... Hey, 911. I need to call for help. (laughs) We have survivors. Yeah, we have survivors because they start drilling because they don't know people are down there. He could have easily... Try to tell somebody. Question, but that's great. Here's what we're, we're down here, and here's the situation. It's filling up with water, and there's flames. Here's some useful information that you might need but in order no, to rescue everybody. He's planning a press he's conference. Planning a, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the press conference in Denver. We'll touch down in Denver. We'll do the press conference. I loved him. I would have. I would have not disliked him any, a bit if he'd gotten out there and just been so preoccupied with giving his press conference about himself that he forgot the rest of them. I still would have loved him. Because oh, that's so. How great of a moment would it be too? He's like 15 minutes into his press conference. Yeah, there was. <laughs> oh wait, oh crap! Right. Well, well, I'm forgetting something. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh wait a minute! There's more people down right. there. If, if that was just one of the questions from the press conference. Yeah. So how did you save everybody else? Oh, uh, <laughs> I was so preoccupied. Hold on, I'll be right back. But that's the thing is that character is so well drawn as opposed to all the other characters, which are so like nebulous and one stuck. note that yeah. I. I I still would have loved him. He could have he could have totally betrayed them all and gotten out on his own. I think it would have been kind of interesting, actually, if he actually got out and was just like, all right, well, I'm out, done. And then the rest of the movie carries on. Like, that would have actually been something. It would have been like a commentary on how these people are putting their hope in Roy Nord. You're, you're famous. You can save us because you're famous. He acts like he's in charge immediately. It's like he has no reason to be in charge. I know how to climb a mountain, so therefore I'm, I can get us out of this tunnel. It's like there's no comparison. I think the movie could have made a commentary of just like, why are you people putting your faith in this guy who doesn't care about you and probably only cares about himself? Like, they could have done that. He gets out, doesn't help him, just disappears, flies off to Denver, and it's like, oh, well, now we got to figure something else out. That would have been way better. <laughs> Anyway, oh, all right. they, they escape through the Sandhog Tunnels, and uh, some more people die. The I was calling the old, the old couple with the dog, the dog father and the dog mother. So the dog mother yes. freezes to death randomly. Hypothermia, yeah. She, she passes away from that. Right. But again, nothing, there's no real drama there. It's, it's, those characters' arc is coming to terms with their son's death, because you learn that their son died right. while traveling abroad, and so that's why they dote on this dog. And then it, seemingly they lose the dog... And it seems like this movie has come to an actual emotional conclusion in a way that is satisfying. Like, oh, they're, they've lost this dog, and they have to come to terms with that right. in a way. They, they've been avoiding coming to terms with the yeah, loss of their son they have to move. through the dog, and now that they lost a the dog, it's like, okay, now we actually have to like accept what happened to our son. It's like, okay, that's actually satisfying, and that's a meaningful conclusion to their story. And then they undo it by killing the wife, and the dog comes back. <laughs> the dog, <that's laughs> it's like, well, this, this whole emotional arc has been totally ruined now. Why did you do this? <laughs> Why? Why is Because they didn't want to kill a dog, I guess. But it's like, it actually worked. It worked until suddenly they undid I, all of the goodwill they did. I love that they don't want to kill a dog. They're okay killing George, Roy Nord. 
<laughs> right, yeah. People don't want to see a dog die on screen. I get they, yes. uh, No movie wants to kill a dog. If, if a dog dies, it's because oh. someone really, really evil has killed the dog. Old Yeller? Well, yeah, but no one wants to see the dog die in Old Yeller either. It's, that's the tragedy of the movie. If this movie was about a dead dog, then sure, they would have killed the dog. But this is a minor right. part. But Fair yeah, enough. that's that's why Stallone and uh, um, but Maddie is the the playwright's name. They get stra- I think so, they yeah. get trapped because he goes back for the dog. Yeah, and then she goes back for him. They both get stranded down. She there. goes back, but she like <laughs> barely leans over and falls. It's like, what are you doing? You can't reach him. It's so funny because Stallone falls in to save the dog. He he, he saves the dog, and then the the stairs like crumble. Collapse, yeah. And then he's like, go on without me. Go on without me. It's not worth risking your lives for me. And I'm going like, you risked your life for that dog. What a hypocrite. Like, listen, to practice what you preach. <laughs> I love dogs, but, I, you know, two lives for one dog is essentially what happens because she falls in to save him. It's true. And then everyone just leaves. <laughs> and it's not even like an emotional moment. Like, oh, we it's have to not, leave you behind. It's also nonsensical because she leans over with like a plank. That doesn't come within, I don't know, 15 feet of Stallone. Right. It's like, what are you doing? You can't get anywhere close enough. There's no hope to save him. But then again, this chamber that they're in, the Sandhog uh, Chapel, it seems relatively self-contained. Like, whatever this drilling is going to do to create a pressure wave, presumably that pressure wave is only going to travel through the air, right? It's not going to travel through the water. I'm not going to try and discuss the physics of what's going on but, down But my there. point is, from my point of view, this tunnel is filling up with water now, right? And yep. th- the problem is, he's down there in this water, and we're up here. Wait a half hour, the water will rise. You're down there, we're up here. Is that what you're saying? They just had to wait for him to they rise They had to up wait him? for the water level to fill up, and he would have it would have carried him up to where he needed to be anyway. I don't but think that pressure wave was a problem we needed- in that little room. They, but then the two of them go back into the tunnel where the danger is and climb up into some attic. We needed Francis X. Hummel right there to say, you're oh. down there, we're up here. You know what's funny is I didn't. I knew you were quoting oh, something. We, we just did the rock so recently and I, I didn't remember what you were quoting all right we are we good here with the nonsensical plot well the, the most of them are rescued by climbing up this sand hog chamber but then stallone and uh, maddie do some kind of they use another explos- uh, explosive explosive <laughs> yes. you are right themselves. explosions solve everything yeah they blow a hole through the roof with create create some kind of like vortex that carries them up into the river yes and they're just fine so you could have done this. It saved everybody this way. I know they it's, are it's portrayed fine, as like risky or something. I, well, but. I think it's risky to put yourself in the Hudson River in the 1990s. <laughs> oh, I guess so. Something tells me they they survived the immediate danger only to probably die from long term exposure well, to the Hudson River. To that point, before we move on, there's this constant talk about the toxic fumes from the toxic waste that got exploded, and then it's never addressed again. It's like everyone seems perfectly healthy. No one's coughing or. They occasionally say we can't breathe, but no one's no, none of the actors are acting like they can't breathe. No. In fact, nobody is even remotely injured. You're either perfectly fine or dead. No, if you're in that tunnel, George, ever- George's neck gets George's neck gets broken. Well, yes, but that's from a car falling on him. I'm saying yeah. from the explode the initial oh. explosion. No, you're right. <laughs> the initial wave, you're right. It was either Terminator Two Judgment Day, where yeah. you're just nuked, or you're, or you're perfectly oh, fine, not a scratch. There's injuries outside of the tunnel, but within the tunnel, everyone is fine. They're running around or climbing on top of cars. So, well, we should have no really one's done, even injured. Those old folks are fine. We should have not done, even a bruise. We should have done an inventory of what cars they were in to just determine these are the cars you want if a bomb gets dropped somewhere. That dysfunctional family had their sunroof open. She's filming she from is. outside of the out of the car. She's standing up through the sunroof. 
They don't close it. She just ducks down, and it's like they are this perfect. flame would just like create that. It'd be an oven in that car. <laughs> that sunroof somehow has like a Star Wars force field, like it. a heat shield, yeah, that you can't see. I mean, that's the thing is this movie is ludicrous in all the right ways until suddenly it's not. Until it becomes as deathly serious, we need to save the, the lives of these people. You know. Uh, all right, I, I'm I'm saying we're moving on to technology now, but. It, this is what I mean. Like we had a fun conversation, and I think that's indicative of there is there is a certain amount of like silliness to this movie that I think is enjoyable, but it just it just it just deflates to nothing by the end. It's just like who cares about anything? The, by the, end of this I, movie? the last quarter for sure is is some of the worst, the most boring and worst stuff we've done. Swimming around, just stumbling. It's uh, dumb. Who knows? Let's try this. It, yeah. It's one that's like you could fast forward. You don't even need the dialogue, frankly. It, for the last oh, no. quarter of the movie, you don't need any dialogue. That's probably why I did well overseas. Barely need to translate this movie. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's move on to technology. All right. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right, this is a segment of the show where we discuss how developments in technology would either change the plot or key elements uh, to the movie. Yeah, I've got a few. You want to start, or should I fire away? I've got a few. I mean, this is basically a staple of this segment, so let's get the social media piece out of the way. Uh, all right, I'll let you fire off with that one. Well, I mean, I I was just thinking, if you make a disaster movie like this today, and there may be equivalents. I was trying to think of, like, what is a modern disaster movie like this? Oh, there aren't a ton. Uh, well, we had Geostorm. Oh, of course. How and can I forget had, Geostorm? Oh, no, no. My, my, well, there's also Hurricane Heist. That, and that one I had so much hope for. And it, it wasn't good, but it wasn't fun bad either. I was so disappointed in that one. You know who directed it? Uh, Rob Cohen, director no way. of Daylight. Yes. Of course. And you know Leslie Boehm, who I, I, I just looked up before we started, because uh, I was curious about something I'm going to talk about in a second, but um, Leslie Bowen also directed the movie that is on the other disc on your uh, two-pack. Dante's Peak? Directed, or, sorry, written. Both, writ, wrote both of those movies, oh, Dante's Peak and this. I'm looking, I have not seen Dante's Peak. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. But anyway, I haven't seen Hurricane Heist or Geostorm. I, I should see Geostorm. Have you seen that yet? I've seen them both. They're not as bad. They're, okay. Yeah. They're not good, but they're not what I wanted them to be. I was very, particularly Hurricane Heist, because it effectively is, I'm like, because right in around this time, the one that put me over the top of my hatred for disaster. I know what you're going to say. Hard rain. Hard rain. Hard rain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes hard rain is uh, is a problem. And it, it causes I mean, some flooding. That literally, it, Hurricane Heist is just a literal translation of what Hard Rain is, which was a heist movie with a lot of rain in it. Yeah, but at least a hurricane is destructive. It can actually, you know, Hard Rain, like, what does that mean? It just, you know, gee, it's really damp out. I, anyway. I mean, oh, God, I was so annoyed in 19, whatever year that came out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I came around. I had so many stupid ideas. Humidity was my favorite yeah. script I wanted to write during this era. Oh, yeah. it's just so hot and humid out. I mean, that's basically hard rain. <laughs> it it, it sure is. is wet out. It kind of is. Anyway, I was just going to say, I can't imagine you can make a disaster move like this these days without making a, a whole subplot about the social media reaction, people live streaming it and oh, tweeting yeah. about it. and what you know, like There's very little, like, here's what the public's reaction to this disaster is. There's very little news coverage portrayed in this oh, movie. Not at all. It's all about the tunnel. It's a little bit, tunnel. but yeah, it's, it's almost the entirely the people in the tunnel and the people rescuing, trying to rescue them. All right, well, I think now you need – you couldn't make this movie without doing the social media You're right, but reaction. I'm going to pivot too because what I'm going to say, my this is not my first one, but Roy, let's talk about Roy. He would not be 
planning his pe- press conference. I've got two things with Roy. First of all, he absolutely would have a GoPro. No doubt, 100%. Yes, you're absolutely he right. He would have a GoPro, and he would be live tweeting and sending. As soon as he got that signal, that $2,000 phone. <laughs> there would be 30 queued up tweets that would all go out at once. Boom, boom. He yeah. would have them ready to go as soon as it went out, and he would be trying to get the video from his GoPro yeah, on social media right. immediately. He, he wouldn't need a 14-year-old girl to film him. He would be filming himself. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. With his wingsuits, probably. <laughs> Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll pick up the next one. Ashley would not have a camcorder. Let's just go ahead and throw that out. She'd still be filming yeah. every minute of it, but it would be on her phone without a doubt. That is very much a precursor to modern day of the fact that this little this fourteen year old girl is filming everything and yeah. has a teenager who can't put this cam Some camera down. down. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's that wouldn't change at all. Actually, that's very much uh, ahead of its time. Just the say. technology would just swap out. That's it. Yeah. Um. So this is a thing that uh, I'm kind of sad about. To be honest with you, and it's that I realized watching this movie that we will never again get a movie set in the present day with a scene where a character listens to someone leaving a message on their voice on their answering machine. I didn't where, think about where that. You, yeah, because voicemail works differently where you can't listen to it being live. recorded live. You can't screen. You can't screen the message. Exactly. You either need to delete it and not listen to it, or play it back after it's already been completed, which is like a totally different vibe. Like there's there's something about this. Third present danger is a movie we talk about a lot and has a, one of the, the machine most, is still on. That's one of the most classic uh, examples <laughs> of an answering machine scene. Well, and to be honest, now taking from that, I hadn't thought about it, but what I also miss and thinking of Seinfeld, believe it or not, sure, George did not have Custom the ability, outgoing yes, messages to not be able to hear that. You yeah. you really don't. Yeah, yeah, totally. That is that's there's it's sad that that's lost. I don't even can can you my voicemail definitely doesn't let me do anything other than record my name. Uh, Just my, say your name and then it says, you know, Kevin is not here or whatever. Uh I don't know on my phone, my like my personal phone, but like my work voicemail, I can, you know, you've reached the desk of Michael Olson. I'm either on the, I can leave a detailed message on my my work voicemail at least. You know, what? I don't think I I'm not even sure what my outbound, outgoing message on my work voicemail is. I never set it up. Well, that, that's a good catch. I, I missed that one. Um, yeah, because we, we never talked about it, but uh, the, the playwright was having some kind of... She was she was sleeping with a married man or yes. something. It's it's all set up. Every one of... Uh, every moment of Amy Brenneman's... Yes. It's all just... She hates New York. Everything that could go wrong in New York for her is going wrong. I don't know if this is technology, but we also skipped over the part where she wrestles with a, a electrical cable with her shoes... In the most hilarious scene. Anyway, we can talk I, about that. I in have details. it in the little details yeah, at okay. least a little bit. All we, right. just, we just skipped over that part. I, I would also like to point out, so the engineers, when they're trying to determine what they can and can't do, today they certainly would have some 3D modeling of some sort. They have a giant physical model <laughs> yeah. in what looks like a coffin. Yeah. No way. And I, I found it hard to believe, even in the 1990s, that's the best that they had. Well, they said it was from the original design. I know it was, but how did they not have something electronic? They dug it out from some closet. It's been sitting in the closet since the 20s. <laughs> I yeah. honestly think it had been since the 1920s. You're right, because these people have to maintain these tunnels. Yes. 
You'd think they have some kind of map that is not some old, like, literally dusty and, like, has cobwebs on it. They're it's dusting in it a coffin, basically. It yeah. was absurd. That, that yes, was the is. fun kind of absurd. I did get a good chuckle it's at that. It's very absurd. I, love, I laughed at that, like, uh, them hauling out that thing. All right. Uh, I've got one more. How many more have you got? I've got one more, but okay. it's, it's only three words. I don't necessarily have a comment other than I just wrote a note that says, Mobile Fax Machine. <laughs> I was so excited about the Mobile Fax Machine. <laughs> you love Roy. <laughs> no, it wasn't Roy. It was the it diamond was? car. Oh, was, they steal, yeah. They, they, they steal the car from the di- The guy's got, like, diamonds. And he has it handcuffed Handcuffed to him. to him. They break the diamonds. And then uh, they steal his car. And then, like, a fax comes in saying, You have a fax. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only it was McFly's boss <laughs> saying that they're fired. Um, no, but it was it was like a message to the thieves saying like you're being followed or something. Right, I forgot about Which, that. Which I guess it's from the owner of the car saying, "Hey, you're not going to get away with this." But it, I wasn't sure if it was like some of their buddies being like, like, "I wasn't I wasn't sure how sophisticated at first this this jewel heist was." By the end, it became very clear that it was not at all sophisticated. It was a smash and grab. But, um, yeah, that fax just made me laugh. All right, the last one I had uh, actually had to do with Mr. California, the the chief who gets flattened. Today, there would be some sort of drone or robot that went in there. That's a good point. To test that tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. Even if he is like, I'm Kyle Reese and I'm driving. Even that, they still would be sending in a you know some sort of electronic first to test the stability. He does seem very sure of himself, so I bet he would have been like at least sending the drone. He'd be like, "No, absolutely, I'm so sure that this is the plan." I'm Kyle Reese. I'm, yeah. I'm taking over. Um, but they don't overplay that guy too much. Like he's well, he can. He's dead. Like <laughs> he has one second. Yeah, he has one scene, but still. All right, you ready to move on to the little details? Sure, I, th- I have a lot to cover here, Uh-oh. so let's, I mean, I'll, I'll have to be selective, I think. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. All right, the little details, the segment where we discuss minutiae that we found interesting or noteworthy in the movie. Yeah, I want to start at the start. Unless I'm, I'm uh, glad you have a lot. I do not actually have a ton on the little details for okay. this movie. Well, I'm, I want to start at the start and talk about the opening titles, which... For I mean they're all, they're simultaneously very '90s and also the cheapest looking things. It's like a motif of like a tunnel. You're going yes. through a tunnel and the credits are coming at you, kind of like Superman Superman credits. Of the eighty million dollars, not much was spent on this. Well, for the first couple of credits, it's not clear that it's a t- you're going through a tunnel. Like th- eventually, a graphic comes up of a tunnel. And it's like okay, the credits are coming at us. We're coming through a tunnel. But the first couple of of ones, it's not clear, and so it's just like this weird off center title just says daylight and it's just like i thought it just looked so cheap it did not set a good tone for this movie that's, that's all I'm, I'm gonna say it did not and it wasn't a low budget movie but the opening surely did not make it seem like they were spending much money they were spending all the money on explosives and you know they didn't have anything left over for the titles all right so actually towards the very beginning one of my favorite performances or deliveries is in the in the payoff sequence for the the <laughs> Yeah. The truck, the truckers. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the trucking company, the union. I don't know who it was. See, I thought I, I got the sense that they were selling this stuff like, nefariously. I, you, uh, see, I got the feeling that they they were disguised. You know, they were hauling something else and then putting in these chemicals along with the legitimate to basically kind of cover it up. But to dump it or to sell yeah, it? No, to, I got to dump it somewhere. Okay, I wasn't sure if they were selling it or dumping But the, someone gets a lot of cash. Well, no, see, that's what I want to know, because I love the... Is this the tip? 
the way the guy says it, <laughs> right out in the open. They're they're not worried about you know FBI with telephoto. Not not, they're not worried about it at all. And he is insulted. Yeah. And it, it's a big wad of money. That, what, what's it? Is this the tip? He's very. How much was that guy expecting? <laughs> Literally a white envelope full of money. But he's so antsy for the money too. That's the one thing I laughed at. He's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, give me the money. Come on, come on, come on. He's so he, he really really wants like, that money. Yes, like the FBI is just breathing down on him, but they're completely negotiating in the open. So he's very nervous to get on the road, and then he's insulted by the amount of money in there. Even though you would think this would be agreed upon. Like, they still take, they still haul the stuff. So if it wasn't enough money, why does he still take it? He should have been like, this isn't enough money. Here, take your money yeah. back. Come back when you have all the money that we agreed to. As, as, yeah, like, they're negotiating on the spot. You're right. This <laughs> was the this tip? the tip? Like, you didn't decide what it was going to cost before you got to the point of actually taking the, the chemicals? And I think some of them have already been loaded on the trucks. Oh, yeah, because t- one of them almost drops it to show, like, ooh, yeah, they're right. worried that it's going to explode, you know? It's like, uh, but it's not like nitroglycerin or anything like no, that. No, they make no indication of what it is. I think at some point someone calls it toxic waste. And I'm going like, I don't think toxic waste is explosive. Like if you if a toxic waste truck crashed in the tunnel, that'd be real bad. But I don't think it would explode. It no, would just be like I, a chemical spill. It would be right. real bad. That, and, was, that was one of the noteworthy, I don't know if performance, but that was something that just jumped out at yeah, me. Yeah, was this a tip? I fully thought those would be characters in the movie. Like, they would be tra- trapped down there. No. They're gone. Yeah, they, they, they're obliterated for sure. <laughs> All right. I just have a language question, and it may be, maybe this is just something I'm not familiar with, but when you're going into the tunnel, there's an electronic sign. It says, lane crossers will be summonsed. Is summonsed a word? Is, shouldn't it be summoned? Don't you get a summons when you are summoned? Correct? You get. I think you get a summons when you are summoned, yes. Yeah, so... Lane crossers will be summonsed. It just seemed like a weird way to say like I summons. I don't I, think it's a word. I'm not an English professor, but I think okay. you're right. I understand what it means. You will, you will receive a summons. You will be summonsed. You know, yes. <laughs> it's it's almost like it should be an apostrophe there. You got summonsed. You know, it, it, I it, think, yeah. it seemed like a strange phrase, and that's all. I noticed it. All right. So one of the things I did notice, and I know it was sad for you, so maybe you didn't notice it, but when Roy does get flattened. I thought it was a great effect the way they have the tiles come off the wall and head kind of towards the camera. I thought it was a really cool effect. Oh, and the water is like a, like a bulge that comes through. I agree. Yeah. I noticed that, too, as being a very effective yep. uh, effect. It was an effective effect. Yes. How's that for language? I'm, I'm, I'm do- full of not knowing language. I, I, don't, I don't think that was a computer effect, either. I think that was a physical effect. Oh, it looked like it to me. Yeah. I, I, it probably was some kind of like bladders. Like, you fill up a bladder with water and, and it pushes, it pushes out. Like, yeah. some kind of, like, clay like front they put up. All right. So, what, I, my next one, this is probably, was probably the highlight for the movie for me. So, uh, Okay. The highlight for the movie? Hit the board. We get to meet me halfway oh, in this movie. Yes, that's definitely. Well, I'm going to hit the board, but I'm going to hit a special board. Oh, why don't you meet me halfway? Is that fair enough? <laughs> I came prepared for that. Oh, that is amazing. Oh, yeah. Honestly, How could I not notice that? I did a fist pump <laughs> because I was really not enjoying this movie. Yeah. And this, it, it got me reinterested and reengaged for a couple of seconds. Yeah. I was very excited for a meet I, me I halfway. shot up because it, it's one of these things like, we heard it so many times on that one episode in particular. I don't, we don't play it in every episode, but no. it was like it's immediately triggering to the two of us and probably to <laughs> to some of the people who listen to this podcast. I'm sure if you know, people who listened, give me that one again. I want to hear. You want to hear the new one? Yeah. Why don't you meet me halfway? Is that fair enough? <laughs> 
sound like such a reasonable guy in that, too. He is. He's always diffusing conflicts, which is, I really like it. I mean, I genuinely do think it's an interesting character. Oh, man. Um, All right. That, yeah, that was the highlight for me. Because that's when they learned that he has this, like, he got fired, and they're like, I remember you. You were in the news for getting people killed, and, like, suddenly they don't trust him. It's it's false drama and false tension. Yep. That's when he says, meet me halfway. Like, I, what else are you going to do? Like, I'm the only one here to help you. It's so tough. Yep. Okay, well, I, my favorite moment in this movie uh, is coming up, but I'm going in order here, so before we get to that, uh, I want to talk about the EMT outside of the tunnel who kind of g- delivers the exposition dump to Sylvester Stallone. Oh, like, yeah, when the, when, the, when the tunnel first. Yeah, Stallone's trying to help as best he can, yeah. and the guy recognizes him, like, oh, Kit, and totally abandons a guy that he is helping <laughs> I didn't to, to go talk to Kit and deliver this important movie exposition. Basil exposition, yes. <laughs> it made me laugh. Just, just a, I think he's the only guy helping him, too. It's not like there's two of them. Here, you take care of this. I think, I think that, he's, he's that, helping someone, trying to keep someone alive. Sees Sloan and is like, I don't care about you, guy. I want to go talk to my old boss. <laughs> Sylvester Sloan is top build in this movie, and you're an extra, so you can die. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're dead. <laughs> you are basically Norm MacDonald in that SNL skit. Yeah, you are Dead. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, it made me laugh a lot. Uh, okay. I noticed the commercial Roy Nord's ad campaign is a widescreen 16 by 9 commercial, which I noticed. In 1996, that's very early for that. I did not notice that. That's a good catch. I, I assume it's just because they shot it on the film that they used to film the movie, and the movie's that size, yeah. that, that aspect ratio, so whatever. No one's going to notice. Um, or they're very forward-thinking. Hard to say. I, I I could see Roy Nord filming his commercials in a widescreen format. Like this, this is cinematic. I'm climbing mountains and I'm exploring deserts. I need the I need a letterboxed black bars at the top I, and bottom. I can this kinda, is a cinematic commercial. I can kind of see that. Yeah, actually, I, I bet that's what's going on there. He probably would want Christopher Nolan to direct it too. Uh, well, '96. <laughs> who would it have been? Uh, David Fincher. 96? Uh, he was yeah. doing commercials. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, then, he's doing movies, too. But yeah, the point Seven is was came, out by then. Yeah, okay. yeah, but he came from commercials. So I think David Fincher is who he yeah, would call to do his commercial. Right. Or like Ridley Scott or somebody. Yeah. So let's talk. I, I was going to talk about the screenwriter. So let's talk about it now because I'm, I'm looking at my notes for the, the playwright character, Maddie, uh, Amy Brenneman's character. She helps people c- get out of the, all the prisoners are like trapped in the prison because it's obviously locked. She gets them out of there. Uh, and like... One of them is afraid to come out, and she like coaxes him out by like being like, "I'm a pretty girl, right? You can come out and hang out with the, with with us pretty girls." The writer of this movie is named Leslie Boehm. I made the wrong assumption initially that this is a, a female screenwriter. And so anytime there's a writer character in a movie or in a book or something, I always just assume they wrote this is this this is the writer writing themselves into the story. And I I, I saw this scene and I went like. Who wrote this? Is this a female writer? And I saw Leslie Bowen. I'm like, oh, yes. So for the whole movie, I'm going, this is the screenwriter putting herself into the movie. And then I found out 10 minutes before we started this, Leslie Bowen is is a man. So I did not realize. (laughs) Completely debunked. I I forgot that Leslie was a unisex name and uh, made a wrong assumption. But the whole whole time, I was kind of laughing at this scene incorrectly. Because it kind of does feel like, uh, you know, she's, everyone, like, thinks she's awesome. Like, Stallone can't stop complimenting her on how brave she is. She kept a cool head. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyway. I, my mind started to wander and actually tied back to Madeline the playwright. So my mind started to wander in this movie because I became very disinterested halfway through the movie. Yeah. And I had just watched on Netflix Marriage Story. So here's where my wa- mind wandered. All right. So Madeline is a playwright from Indiana. In Marriage Story, 
Adam Driver is a theater director from Indiana. Oh. So I like to think in this world, Madeline inspired the screenplay for Marriage Story. Yeah, that's a perfect example, by the way, of, of what I'm talking about. I haven't seen Mar- Marriage Story yet, but I, I, I'm familiar that it's, it's just Noah Baumbach writing about his life. Like, yeah. that's, that's very Well, true. I don't know that, but yeah, it seems I think like so, it. yeah. So in, in, in my mind, since I'd watched these almost back-to-back, I like to think you got a theater director from Indiana, playwright from Indiana, I think one inspired the other. Well, Indiana's, it, it makes sense that screenwriters love to make characters from Indiana who are like going to the big city to make it big. Indiana's a perfect neutral rural state. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not the south. It's not like the old west. It's not like, you know, it it, it is the most neutral rural place. Yep, it has right like there. I mean, we're from Illinois, so we are familiar with the, I mean, there is a culture in Indiana, but I think widely I think it is kind of just the most generic state you Middle can America. Yeah, exactly. It's Middle America and that's about it. Even like Iowa is less bland than Indiana. You know what I mean? Like Iowa somehow has more character. Whereas Indiana, it's just like, it's, you know, it's, it's shorthand for the middle of nowhere. Yep. Essentially. Even though it's right next to Chicago. Plenty of, I'd say 30 to 40% of the population of Indiana lives within an hour of Chicago. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I don't know how much is down in Indianapolis, but a, yeah, a, another I mean, health right after Indianapolis is a, the healthy portion in Northwest. Let's Indiana. say 20%. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Uh, okay, let's just talk about my favorite moment in the movie. Let's do I it. laughed so hard I had to pause the movie and get up and walk around. Are you serious? I can say there's no moment. Even the meet me halfway did not have me that engaged. I, no, but that's, that's not it. I, I, I didn't laugh there. I was just more like, oh. No, I'm just saying there was no moment that was that engaging. Well, so what is it for you? This is, this is just my, let's say, unique sense of humor, I guess, because there's always something strange that makes me laugh. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to describe this in a way that explains why I found this funny. I found this so funny, and I, I am certain I'm not going to be able... I'm going to sound like a crazy person right. trying to explain this. Let's do it. So here's the scene. It's it's when Kit blows his way up through the through the road, and they're all yelling, and I'm like, you're the only one, blah, blah, blah. And it, it it's the funniest shot in the movie to me, because cut to him gasping for breath. like He, he is just like, whatever. Yeah, he's trying to gather himself. He's trying to gather himself. And then they cut to his point of view of... All of the, the the characters who are trapped down there, remembering looking this. right down the, the lens of the camera, looking first person at us, at us, the audience. Yeah. And so first is uh, <laughs> Ashley, who I think is the fourteen year old. Yes, the fourteen year old. She goes, "It's a rescue team. We're out." It pans to her mom. Where are the rest? Pans to stage Stallone. There is no rest. Pan to the the guy with the dog. You're joking. Pan to the, the woman with the dog. He can't be the only one. Pan to uh, Ashley's mom again. There has to be some more. Pan to the dog, who goes... (laughs) (laughs) I found that so funny. Just this, like... We have to get every character's point of view, including the dog at the end. It's I just thought that was so funny. They pan to the dog. I I, I also have to go like... I miss Poochie the dog. (laughs) I found that hilarious. I seriously... I, I cannot do it justice. I mean, part of it was the, was just the rhythm of the shot and just, like, cameras just going from this character to this character to this character to the dog. <laughs> I don't know. It just very it very much tickled my funny bone. Outstanding. And that's all I have to say about I, it. I missed the dog, so I, I can see what well, pushed you over the They edge. also put a little sound in. He, the dog's just sitting there, but they put a sound on the, on the soundtrack going, <laughs> <laughs> like, he is angry. The dog is angry. Why are you the only one? <laughs> anyway. It is kind of funnier now to me. Um, yeah. All right, so here I I have a question, and this I, I don't think it's just today. I think this is such a bad bad choice. 
you've got, I think it was Sage Stallone's character. Yeah. Now, we don't get any backstory of, you know, what Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. All right. right. (laughs) So you don't get any backstory. So I don't really know. You don't know who Sage Stallone is. You don't know what kind of prison it is. Before you get to this point, it's funny how we didn't plan this, and obviously we had a bunch of bonus episodes in between, but this this is our... Well, we did. We're, we're, well, we're, we haven't recorded it yet, but this is. We went from Rocky Five, and then we did a brief Terminator, uh, Dark Fate. So, but if you ignored Terminator and if you ignore all those bonus episodes, we did the two Sage Stallone yes movies back to back. The Stallone movies are back to back. The Sage Sage Stallone, yes, Sylvester Stallone's son, yes. Anyway, I I noticed that that we did them close together. Anyway. I, I, I interrupted the toughest. <laughs> I know exactly where I you're going. I don't understand this. I mean, who would write this? I, well, I have an idea who would write it. Okay. It's, well, it's, not, it's not a pleasant topic, obviously. Uh, no. But go but ahead and explain. You, you've got Sage Stallone's character talking to Ashley. Hey, if we survive this, can I call you? I mean, you don't know how old Sage Stallone's character is, but no matter what, she's 14. He's not in juvie. No. He's, no, he's part of the, he's in the Department of Corrections system. Yeah, so... I, I, I'm not sure why that would... It, it, there's no reason for it to be in there. No. Like at all. There's no upside. There's only downside. And very I, easily taken out of the movie. Right. There's, I don't you understand it. snip that out very easily. Well, I think I understand it. And this is relatively fresh news. And, you know, this is an alleged thing. But the director of this movie, Rob Cohen, who also directed a lot of other things, directed the first Fast and Furious and just a lot of stuff. There's been allegations uh, in this vein about this guy, about his his uh, his child. So, yes, I, I I did not know that. Now I wish I hadn't even noticed it in my notes. Well, it, it's I didn't I didn't necessarily look that up because of that scene. It just I just happened to see this and you know when doing a little research and I don't know if that's why that's there. Uh, it's it's gross no matter what, but it's extra gross when you you know with with this you know allegations that have come out about the director. Of now this I wish I had either not noticed it or let you talk about after this <laughs> right. because this, uh, that's a major downer. We need to find some up up notes here before we get out of little details. Yeah, I don't have many left. Maybe this will cleanse our palate. Oh, All right. death oh. And Oh, I don't know. Do I have? No, like every man, every other note that I have left, I have two left, and they're both downers. Have you got anything positive? Uh, I have a couple, uh, at least one more funny moment that I, I just laughed at. All right, um, give me that, please. I have two. Okay, I have, my last two moments are moments that I I found funny. Well, do you want to end with my funny stuff, or do you want to not? You want to skip your depressing stuff? I would rather end with the upbeat. All right, stuff. end with the upbeat. Let me let me get a couple couple others out here. You All right. right? All right, the first one, I don't know if it was Sage Stallone or Will Ferrell. I know it's not Will Ferrell. I was we'll, just calling them dysfunctional family. Okay, dysfunctional family. Dysfunctional father, dysfunctional mother. Somebody yells when they're in, uh, after the staircase collapses. I don't know who it is. It's one of the two of them. Leave the stupid dog. <laughs> I think it was that there. line <laughs> would get savaged today. I mean savaged. I, but I said I love dogs and I agree with them. Like, don't trade a human life for a dog. I understand that, but I am telling you, I, in a big portion <laughs> sure. of our country today, and I'm I'm not saying I agree with, but it would get savaged today. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, again, why put it in the movie? It's like, especially at this point, we're near the end of the movie. We're supposed to be rooting for these people to escape. If this movie is working the way it's supposed to. It should be making us want, care about them the most in this moment. It should make everyone as likable as possible, so we're reading, rooting for them. And you have this guy just be like, leave the dog. It's like, we're supposed to be rooting for all these people. 
This is supposed to be the point where they learn from their mistakes and they become better people. Yeah. This is supposed to be the part where they become better people and bonded together. It's a, it, it should be like, hey, I know this dog is important to you, but it's just a dog. No, just leave the dog. <laughs> the stupid the dog. The stupid dog. All right. Um, that's not such a downer. I mean, I, like I said, it's, it's... Well, my my last one here is a downer. The The next one I had is what I love is that tunnel management, which we kind of have, have ignored a little bit, and actually it's George's love interest, which we've kind of ignored. And yeah, they the, don't do much, though. They don't. They're kind of Zeus-ish, but not exactly. But yeah. what they really do, it's a good thing. It's a good thing they're going to their cars at this point in time. <laughs> because yes. they... So the survivors other than Madeline and Stallone make their way up through the tunnel, and then it's like they're trapped inside like a little grate that's been covered over. Yeah, in some garage. In some just random garage. And if it didn't happen to be, they could have been down there for like another two hours, like banging on it, if people weren't <laughs> right. going to get their cars at the exact right time. That feels like a movie not wanting to pay an extra actor or two. It would make this movie feel more alive of like, this movie is taking place in New York, a city of millions of mil- millions of people. And these two people who we've been following this whole movie are the ones who find them. <laughs> it could have been just a random passerby. It would have made the city seem larger and more alive. And like, that is actually like or people outside EM- of the bounds of the story. Other EMTs, just any, you know, anything. Right. Yeah. Dock worker or just like, you know, a tunnel worker who are just like sitting there having a smoke or whatever. Yeah, it would it would be it's so unbelievable that the two of them where are they going? Why are they in this garage? They parked their cars in this garage? Apparently <laughs> Don't so. Don't they have better parking? You would this, think like, so. This like seaside dock garage that <laughs> for some reason they're walking through. Uh, I did notice that and found that just very convenient. All right. All I've right. only got one more and it's a downer. So what have you got? I've uh, I got two more. So right. <laughs> the moment where the rats rush in and this is how they learn and that there's a pattern. That's when the rats came at me. <laughs> um it's so funny because I I was thinking of uh, you always quote this line from Die Hard Glass who gives a shit about glass <laughs> I watched this movie going like rats who gives a shit about rats your lives are it's, in danger who cares like no, you're not gonna it's catch true. the bubonic plague I thought the same thing but in reality one it's set up with that giant rat that I still don't understand how it was just in the drawer in <laughs> right, yeah. Amy Brenneman's that's apartment, what we mean by like the cartoon squalor of yes. her apartment but because. It does have a payoff that they know the way out. I'm like, all right, it isn't totally absurd that the rats would find and know the way out. I'm like, okay, that was somewhat clever. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the rats appearing and being the impetus for them finding the way out. That I thought was actually fine and kind of clever. Well, clever is going too far, but, you know, interesting or whatever. The part that made me laugh and I found absurd is everybody freaking out. Your lives are in danger. You may die. Who cares about rats? But in particular, that female convict freaks out, jumps up and like a beam on the wall, and is just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, rats!" And and uh, Maddie, this because I guess she has familiarity with rats who live in her apartment. God, yes, she jumps up and she's trying to console. I don't remember the character of the, the I, prisoner. I don't either. But this woman who has been in prison, I have to imagine that she's prisons aren't rat free. Yes. She's freaking out, and this like Maddie. Although she lives in a very poor like part of town and is like it's because she's trying to make it as a screenwriter and she clearly is not like from that area or she's like, from Indiana. She's from Indiana and probably had a perfectly reasonable like upbringing. I mean, who knows? We never learned. But uh, she's going back there, so it must not be too bad. So this woman is consoling a, a prisoner about rats, going. Don't worry, they can't hit you. They can't hurt you. They're just shit with feet, <laughs> and then. Whatever her name in goes, what? <laughs> she she screams. She's like, what? 
they're shit with feet. And then she goes, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> as if it's an ad lib and the actress was going like, what did you say? Shit with feet. What are you saying? Either, well, either that was in the screenplay, which is absurd, or it wasn't in the screenplay and that was ad-libbed by the actors, by, by uh, Amy Brenneman on the day, and it stayed in the movie, which is even more absurd. That's well, in the movie. The moment that I love about it is that dysfunctional family mom, she's just like, she's totally giving up the rat. She's like, I'm not moving from my spot. I don't care anymore. Is she the one who never who doesn't move or is she, it no, the it, dog? No. Okay. No, it is uh, dysfunctional family mom. Well, she's I agree like, with that. Yeah, she's like, what? Who cares? What are they going to do to me? We're yeah. dead. Oh, who no, cares? they're, they're going to bite me. Like, yes, we're, exactly. Our lives are at stake. Exactly. See, for, I couldn't remember uh, if it was her or if it was the woman who freezes to death. No, it was uh, dysfunctional mom. Okay. Because if it was the woman who free- froze to death, it would make sense. Like, you think she's nonplussed by it, but then she's actually yeah. dead. All right, so I'm going to have my downer so you can end, uh, end this segment with a, with a high note, all right? <laughs> I wouldn't call it a high note. I probably should have saved something better for last. I all should have right. saved so, that dog. So for me, and this isn't the movie's fault, but it was really tough for a disaster movie for its multiple shots, too, and the final shot. To top it, oh yes, to be the twin towers, it, yeah. it's really tough. And again, it's not the movie's fault. Yeah, it's but, accidental, obviously. Yeah, it's totally, but it, it it's tough. Yeah, I mean that's just the iconography of New York at the I, time. Yeah, like I, I understand why, but you understand. I, yeah, I, yeah, I totally get it. You know, it did give me kind of a jolt. I didn't necessarily think about it in terms of like this is a disaster movie. And to see the Twin Towers in a disaster movie yeah. that that I didn't necessarily connect. It's just any movie where you know, especially. You know, it's another thing if you're if it's a movie like made in the present day, set in the period where it's obviously deliberate. They got to like add it it's, uh, with CGI or whatever. It's like okay, that's a deliberate choice. But in a movie where it's just like, well, we're filming New York, and that's what that's what New York yeah, looked like. I, I, I get it. I'm just no, but I'm saying it, it, it jar- it's, it's more jarring to me when it's that when it's an older movie because like they weren't trying to like when a modern movie places the Twin Towers in a in a period piece, it's obviously doing it with an intent like right you know it's it's there for a reason whereas a movie from this period there's they didn't think just, twice about it yeah, yeah it was just part of the backdrop it would be like filming willis tower here in chicago right so it's like it's it's adding a layer to a movie that it never intended in a way that is always jarring yeah i agree but yeah the fact that it's a disaster movie yeah didn't even occur to me all right end us end us on a positive note well it's it's I don't know. Well, this isn't that much positive because it's about George's death, so it's still kind of Aww. kind of a bummer. But he's dying, and I just this made me laugh. Where he had two regrets: his first regret, I never had a nice car. His second regret, I never had kids. <laughs> a nice car goes ahead of kids. <laughs> I didn't think about that. That was the first thing that came to his mind, and then second, the second regret is I never had kids. So I found that very funny. Well, maybe in his mind, if you don't have a nice car. You can't find... First you get the car, then you get the women, yes, then you get the kids. that's what I think. Maybe that's what it is. is that he's <laughs> like, well, there's an order of operations here, and I failed at the first one. But he doesn't need the car to get the woman. He's got then the woman. He does. He His does. Jama- Jamaican girlfriend. Well, he forgot. I- he, didn't, he didn't move fast enough, though. That's didn't true. Didn't tell her he loved her. Yes, absolutely. And then he tells uh, Stallone, get to daylight. And that's when he dies. Or he's left behind, I guess. Give me back my son. <laughs> right. All right. You ready for the, uh, to move on to Devil's Advocate? Sure, let's move on. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. 
Devil's Advocate, the sec- portion of the show where we ask each other questions and the other does their best to answer them. I actually do not have a ton for this segment. I don't have a ton either, and my questions are pretty lame, so I'm just going right. to give that caveat up front. I don't have uh, much material for this All segment right, well, today. Let me, let me start off. I've got, I, I don't have many, but I think I've got a couple of decent ones. I've got three or four, so whatever. Okay. All right, so this is a two-parter. First part is, I already kind of asked it, but I'm going to do it again. What in the world is a giant rat doing inside of a dresser drawer? But here's the second and maybe more important question. Is this a regular occurrence? Because she's got a giant metal pike right next to the dresser that she's trying to stab this rat with. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So my question is, are there constantly rats within the dresser? And if so, why don't you get a new piece of furniture? Uh, Well, I I think... The furniture isn't the problem, it's the apartment, at least as co- according to this movie. I think, you know, the rat is there to demonstrate the squalor in which she lives. All right. It wouldn't be enough to just have it running around, like, along the floor. It's got to be in her uh, unmentionables, essentially. I, I think uh, your your premise is correct. She's got that, she's got a rat, rat-killing, uh, uh, whatever it is. Stick. So that's her extermination device. Well, I, I meant to actually look, now that you mentioned it, I meant to look in the credits to see no, if no animals were harmed in making this movie. Like, you know, the, the Humane Society always gives that yeah. message. Because she full-on kills a cockroach in this movie, I'm pretty sure. I think you're she, right. She really crushes a cockroach and she goes, got it. It's like, wow, I don't know if you could do that in this movie. <laughs> you probably Clearly are a living cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> then again, uh, Nicolas Cage ate a cockroach in uh, Vampire's Kiss, and that was definitely real. So maybe you can. Maybe they don't care about bugs. No, oh, I love... Nicholas Cage. All right, what's your what's your next question? <laughs> I'm not bringing him up constantly now just to annoy you, but it's just yes, happening by happenstance. Uh, okay, so Maddie's moving out of town. She's got her car. She's strapped a chair to the top of her car like the Beverly Hillbillies. <clears throat> so Gotta listen to the story about a man named. <laughs> it's the reverse Beverly Hillbillies. She's going back to the country. <laughs> uh, maybe that was the joke. I don't know, but um, she's basically like, I can't take it anymore. Presumably she like can't afford like she's out of money she's never she hasn't sold a a play nothing is going her way she she's writing a play called what was it did we see the title of the play it was like some nonsense phrase oh I missed it the lesser or something so I can't remember it was, it was I remember reading it and going like what the hell does that mean well I have a note her assessment that nobody goes to the theater anymore I don't know if I believe that either but whatever well she herself has a cat's uh, poster on the wall so she's gone to the theater. Also very relevant to recent movies. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever see that movie. High-performing uh, movies. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, my question is this. Is, well, I guess my, I also have a two-part question. Is she moving out because she is out of money? And if so, why doesn't she sell this car that she's using to drive out of town? Uh, I don't think she's out of money. She's probably pretty close. I think she's at her wit's end with New York. She has a relationship that is dysfunctional and not working. Right. She is living in an apartment that is less than ideal. Yes. Uh, and she is not having success writing or selling any of her written material for Broadway. So while I think money is probably tight, I think she's just abandoning and probably actually has a landlord chasing her for rent. She may have some money left. I think she's just abandoning New York because her life is not working out. All right, fair enough. I just, I, I, she's driving out of town. I'm going like, you could, you know, if you yeah. really wanted to make it, sell this car and yeah. stay for another year. I, you know, it seems like New York is a town you can get by without a car. Oh, so absolutely. it seems like something you could let go. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Roy. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm surprised I, we we haven't talked about him in a while. I'm surprised. I I love Roy, 
But he is reckless in so many ways. <laughs> the fact that you keep calling him Roy, like to me, he was always Roy Nord. Like it came, you had to say both names. No, when you just say Roy. I imagine Roy from The Simpsons. That's from what the I picture. like. But see, that's what I, I like. That Royce. I think that that Roy is the young version of Roy Nord. <laughs> yeah, he is kind that's of. That's what I. Yeah. Think. Roy from The Simpsons grew up to become Roy Nord. Yes. So let's talk about Roy. He says he doesn't just want one commercial during the Super Bowl. Yeah. He wants two. Two. One of them being a 60-second commercial. Mm -hmm. He gives no indication whatsoever that he has any concept of the cost of that commercial. I I assume he has some idea. I mean, he knows that they're expensive, but he has no idea how expensive it really is. He knows it's a gamble. They're, They're pitching it to him as a gamble. Okay. Why is it time to gamble? All we get are sales are down 12%. Yes. We get nothing else of the business. That's the reason to go spend, even back then, probably millions of dollars on two, two Super Bowl commercials. I can think of like three companies that would run multiple commercials in the Super Bowl. It's like Budweiser. Yeah, Budweiser for pe- sure. PepsiCo with Frito-Lay. You know, they might do a Doritos and they might do a Pepsi. Yeah. And, Coca-Cola always does those uh, polar bear right, so most of the time. Like th- maybe three or four consumer products. Yeah. Roy Nord is running two Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, sales are down twelve percent. What is wh- what? Well, with this advertising campaign, I'll get the word out. It'll goose sales. You know, that's that's the idea. He's, he wants to, he wants to gamble. But he flies why? by the seat of his pants, just like he does out in the, the mountain. You know, he lives on the edge. <laughs> There's no reason given why now is the time to gamble. I mean, we're not going to spend a ton of time on the business I practices of Roy Norton's company. What's the name? What's the advertising? Oh, it's like the world beyond the world or whatever. It's still out there because I quote it in the tunnel, remember? <laughs> Sage Stallone is like, New York, the world beyond is still out there. It took me a second to remember that was the commercial. I'm like, what a weird thing to say. Oh, he's quoting the commercial. And his commercials, too, are more like, it's like a Calvin Klein, like, fragrance commercial more than anything else. No, I mean, it's a, it's an extreme sports brand. It's like a, it's like a, you know. It is, but it's got, it had a Calvin Klein vibe to me. It just felt very 90s Obsession. in a way that was, <laughs> no, it felt like a mid-90s. Uh, you know, like an MTV sports type of uh, vibe. They're going all for right. extreme sports. This is like but the beginning of that. The X Games. The first X Games before yeah. ESPN put them out? Yeah, absolutely. All like, right. I, I, that, that's how it felt to me. The Nord Games. I thought it was a, actually a very effective commercial. I, I would believe that on a real TV. Okay. On a real, like, you know, I, I, especially in the 90s. All right. Next well, question. Well, my question, I'm going to follow up on that about the Super Bowl commercial. Because, Roy. Um, Give me more Roy. Roy Nord is his name. Use his full name, please. Give the man respect. Yeah. He died like a hero. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Being, hi, Roy. <laughs> we, once again, we can't get through an episode without quoting the specific Poochie episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> you know me too well. No, I'm, I brought it up. This is my fault this time. Yeah, uh, hi, Roy. <laughs> see, I didn't, I didn't connect because I was in my mind. He's Roy Nord. What's friend. funny though is in my mind, I'm not kidding you. That that character, Roy, that is Spiegel Mortensen. Yeah, absolutely. In his youth. Yeah, you can see that. That I'm character. getting my own apartment with two sexy, sexy ladies. You know, Roy Nord would say that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if he would phrase it that way. I mean, he's on he's on the phone with a women. A twelve year old Roy would have yeah, phrased absolutely. it that way. That's what I'm saying. You think Roy's twelve in The Simpsons? <laughs> He yeah. struck me as like 16. No. He's like, I think he's like 13 or 14, maybe. You met me halfway. Oh. Congratulations. Why don't you meet me halfway? Is that fair enough? <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be the replacement going no, forward? No, this is a one-time deal. Okay. Uh, or two times, I guess okay. now. Uh, anyway, my follow-up about the Super Bowl commercial. They bought two Super Bowl commercials, presumably. 
Well, and they then, never got around to it because Roy's dead. Well, so. that's that's the thing is Roy Nord is killed in a famous disaster. Do you think they still ran those commercials oh, I'm featuring Roy out. Nord? No, I'm going to play this out. Because he's in the commercials. Absolutely. Not only you do don't they think that's still, in bad taste that a no, dead man is but, doing but, the commercial. But, but here's the thing. They completely change it because, you know, I, I don't want to make light of it. Fictional but, characters. No, no, no. Not just fictional characters because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually touch on something in reality. Very shortly after, and it probably was the Super Bowl after the, the um, terrorist attacks on 9-11, Budweiser actually ran a very somber commercial. If it wasn't the, tw- you know, the 2002 Super Bowl of the Clydesdales basically just like kneeling, it was a very somber oh, and serious commercial. commercial yeah. So what I would say is that while the, the capitalists that run Roy Nord's completely are exploiting his death, I think that they would have run a very different commercial, but very, very somber commercial during the Super Bowl celebrating Roy Nord and trying to drive sales. Featuring Roy Nord? And, yes. Okay. Posthumously featuring Roy Nord. See, that seems much more in poor taste than that Budweiser commercial to me because oh, I think it's, it's, it is. A, it's a just... single person like exploiting one man's death. I mean, he ran the company and he probably would be cool with it. I, so, like, yeah, do it. I'm sure he would, knowing that guy, he would have been perfectly fine with oh, it. Oh, he would have, if he were still alive, he would have signed off. It. If he had faked his own death, he would have signed off sure, that yeah. immediately. But no, joking aside, I think, I, but I think the tone would have been different. It would have been more of like an emporium. But with the hope that it still drives, you know, like nostalgia or some sort of like attachment right. to the brand and revitalizes the brand. Roy Nord died like he lived climbing yes. a, a tunnel and, and being crushed by yes, rocks. Yes, and don't you want to like live right at the edge? <laughs> right, exactly. And if you do, you need Roy Nord. I fully believe that they still would have filled those Super Bowl commercials. I mean, good you question. Ha- you have to think that he's the lead story in this tragedy, right? Oh, Roy Nord killed in in tunnel explosion. As, also, eighteen other people dead or whatever. As much I've got the body count later. It was tough. As much as I love George, and even you have the non just the people who are burned because they don't have the right model car. Right, that you can have just the sunroof open and yes. be fine. No, it is by far and away leading. The leading story is that Roy Nord was crushed. Yeah, I death. think so too. And you're probably right. The, the, the sub the subheading is oh, and by the way, X number of people were also killed. <laughs> yes. That press conference probably still happens with you know some like representative of the Roy Nord company oh, or whatever that yes. his company is called. They, they're having a press conference, absolutely, and they're they're going to try and leverage that for as much as they can. The news is going to them before it's going to like New York officials. <laughs> probably <laughs> they come second. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I've got to ask this jewelry heist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about this in what? detail. Can you? Can I ask you? You? You've apparently I forgot. You've received a fax that is telling you that you're being <laughs> Listen to that. Sentence. You were it's a great sentence. 80s punks stole a car it's like from the, a jeweled. It's, it's Bill Paxton in Terminator, basically. Bill Paxton. Yes. Who's the other actor? Because we covered it the other day. Um, uh, yeah, I forget his name. Uh, that played in the the Night Stalker or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't the, it's basically those two guys with a third person. Yeah. They're Death Wish pull, characters. Yes, pull up fights. <laughs> Why? When they know they're being chased in a high speed chase, too, right? Well, uh, and none being... of them is a wheel man. It's not like they have uh, uh, Ryan Gosling in. Drive right. They don't have a wheelman. No, clearly not. <laughs> they're they, they going, have the opposite of a wheelman. They're man. going through the st- the loot. 
Why? <laughs> right. It's like, he, and, and then they spill it because he that, slams into a car. He's like, "Pick that up right now!" Right, and that's what causes <laughs> the complete. That's what causes the sequence of events. She loses her balance, pushes down on the gas by mistake because she's literally down there on the floor. One of the like, one of those punks. And why are you scooping them up? It's in the car. It's yes, not like it's they're the going car, anywhere. It's not going anywhere. You're right. It's so mad, dude. That's when you've gotten away. It's so mad because they're high on speed or something. That's, I'm sure that's yeah, what the, yeah, that's, that's, that's the idea. It's like Ned Flanders goofballs, everybody. They must have been on goofballs. But honestly, <laughs> it, it's nonsensical. The fact that they're going through the loot, and then even if you spill it, who cares? Well, they're it's ha- still in the car. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Well, they're hauling ass through the Holland Tunnel. They're not even being pursued anymore. The New York cops are, first of all, they have to stop because it's like, well, this is, our, this is the end of our jurisdiction. They go, well, let's call Jersey police. They'll... they'll Put up, there's probably a roadblock sitting at the end of this end of the tunnel. This, these guys cannot get away. Their brilliant plan is to go into a tunnel where there is no escape. They are literally trapped like rats, like all those rats that we saw escaping at the end of this movie. They they're idiots. They're clearly idiots. So I mean, I don't think these uh, jewel. You know, this is not. Uh, this is not, not this heat. is not heat, no. This is not heat, this is not drive. There is no plan in this whatsoever. I don't think they even planned to steal that car. They're like, well, this car's here, we may as well just take it. I don't think they even thought that far ahead. They didn't know they were gonna have steal a car with a fax machine in it. I'm gonna probably go back and listen to this episode just to listen to my line. They're being chased in a heist and being <laughs> They've gotten a fact. Yeah, they, they, they have to pause to read effects from the middle of this high speed chase. They have to pause. <laughs> They're being followed, and they read it too. It's like, what's the, what do they care? A bunch of punks stole some diamonds. We this is an important message that's coming through. <laughs> what? Why do they feel the need to read it? This isn't for them. <laughs> that's actually another question. Why they would think to like read it? Yeah. it, it why wouldn't they assume? Like, oh, what's, what's this? Some business facts of like <laughs> right. a contract. They're like, well, we have to read this. <laughs> In the middle of a high-speed chase, <laughs> you have a fact. They can't. They have no like patience for any. They can't defer anything for later. It's like the the the, jewel, the diamonds are spilled. We must pick these up right away. A fax comes <laughs> in. We must read this right now. They can't put anything off. Yeah, this this, this jewel height <laughs> is so preposterous. Would you like? It sets the tone that this movie cannot meet because I, I thought the whole movie would be like this, and I was so disappointed. I was like, "This is." I was. I was, I was ask, really enjoying. My last this question probably ridiculous should be: stuff. Would you like to have spent more time with that jewel heist crew before this movie? I, I think. This whole movie should have been Roy Nord stopping a jewel caper, starring <laughs> <laughs> starring these these eighties uh, Death Wish punks. That's so, all I want. Oh, so what you're saying you're envisioning Stallone can be in the movie too, I guess. He can help Roy Nord. The tunnel still collapses, but then what happens is that Roy Nord gets word that some jewels have been stolen, and he has to like try and catch them in the tunnel. Is that what you're saying? Sure, that, that works. Have it be like a Die Hard in a Tunnel thing, where you know, have, have them be actually competent oh, thieves. You just did it. You did what every action movie's in the nineties. In the nineties, for sure. Yeah, it's Die Hard on a bus. It's Die Hard in a tunnel. Yeah. Die Hard in a boat. Die Hard in a train. They did them all until they ran out of things to do Die Hard on, and then they stopped doing them. Oh, uh, all right. I'm basically done. I, I've I, got I, one more. All right, go ahead. I think I'm done. Okay. Can you tell me? And I, you don't have kids. I have kids. But I'm still going to ask this question to somebody who doesn't have kids. Okay. Why in the hell does Will Ferrell think he gets a vote on how things progress and the decisions that are made with his rationale? I have a teenage daughter. Who 
cares? Yeah. You're all in the same predicament. Well, I think the argument is because Stallone is trying to volunteer someone to go do something. He's check the other side of the tunnel or something, right? Because that's what ends up killing George. Is George goes to check, and on his way back, he's, he dies. Or it is crushed. He it, like, it is, and if it was that he was just trying to get out of volunteer yeah, duty, I think that's I'm fine. what it was. But no, he like wants a vote on any decisions that are made. And to me, it's like, no, you blowhard, you don't get a vote on how what you know what actually happens. I'd have to see the scene again. Not that I, I'm interested I in pre- seeing this movie again. No, but I, I thought it was because doesn't doesn't Stallone just volunteer him? He's like, you you go check the tunnel. Like you you know, I, he I does try that, and that where I could see where he would protest. Yeah, but I have no, a child. He, I shouldn't be the one. He basically is trying to be the guy who's taking charge and saying, well, "I have a teenage daughter, so the vote should come through me." It's like, no, for you have no authority here whatsoever. Well, maybe he he learned the lesson from that one prisoner who took charge. We never talked about that. That guy, he bought it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, oh, I never brought up, uh, I must have skipped it, or maybe, uh, what other segments do we have left? No, I, sh- I need to talk about this, because that guy, oh no, I do have it in my questions. Okay, this is my last question then. All right. Were, were you done? Sorry. Yeah, that was my last I one. I just remembered there's a thing I needed to talk about, I was like, wait, I never talked about it, and then it's literally my next note. All right. Um, okay, so yeah, that's, he He somehow declares he's in charge, because he's a tough prisoner, and I, I, not really clear how malicious this guy is. Like, he's just like, I'm in charge, and I, no. I don't know if it's because he's, like, like he seems he doesn't seem like that bad a guy. Anyway, things happen. There's an explosion. Though the Roy Nord gets crushed, the, the debris shoots out like a fireball, kills this guy, or, like, it, like, knocks him into a knocks wall, and now, now and, he's dying. Yes. And everyone's huddled over him, and he's like, oh, no, I'm dying. Tell my father I was a hero down here. And then the old man with the dog says, I'll find him, and I'll tell him. And then he goes, he won't believe you and he dies then why are you asking people to hunt down your father and tell him he's a hero if you're saying he won't believe you anyway you're giving people a, a, a task that you're saying won't even is, is pointless he's saying why tell your father if you already know he won't believe you i think why? no i think i have an answer for this okay it's because even he's there still is like the outside hope that he's dying and that he has done something good, and maybe he did other things good in his other good things in his life. Made some bad life choices. Sure, and he didn't seem like that bad a guy. He, no, for well, some reason he was being very belligerent. And thought well, he should be. Yeah, I mean, he was. He probably was in prison for something. We don't right. know what. Yeah, Again, don't they know. don't establish that. Right. So you know, maybe it's that he's trying to get a message, and he's hopeful that maybe in his death, his father can see that no, there was some good in his son. Well, sure, but then he says, my he father says, won't believe it when he, you tell him. I so. know he's defeatist. I, I, I I'm saying a, he, gives some, he gives this old man a pointless task. Go tell my father a thing that he won't believe anyway. <laughs> Why? Why are you asking he, someone to he, do this? He's holding out hope that even though he thinks he knows the answer, maybe it won't turn out that way. <laughs> but that's not what he says. He doesn't say maybe he won't believe you. He says he won't believe you. Tell him this thing. He I won't think, believe I you. I think what that was trying to establish is that he had a father that put him maybe on a path, or had, that he's trying to say that there, you should have some sympathy for this prisoner. Well, yeah, that, that's what the is movie what, is saying. Yeah, that's what I think. That's why I think the line is in the movie. Right. I, I just I thought it was silly that I hear you. I hear you. It would have been fine without the he won't believe you. Like it would have been somewhat touching. Okay, this, his father obviously thinks he you know he's a prisoner, so he obviously did something wrong, or you know maybe not. But yeah, you, but you, you don't, we don't know, know that, the backstory. That's exactly. So, so. But, but presumably his father you know oh he's a he's a crook you know Screw I'm, not, I'm not talking to my yeah. son I, I, whatever so yeah that that's an emotional beat 
It's just the part where he says he won't believe you. Why undercut? This, this movie does it every time. Right. Like with the dog parents where it actually brings them to a reasonable emotional conclusion and then immediately undercuts it. It's the same thing with this guy. He dies saying, tell my father I was a hero down here. Oh, okay. This is a nice moment. Then for him to say he won't believe you and then he dies. Fair enough. It's ridiculous. All right. You ready to move on to the Silk Kozar corner? Sure. Let's move on to the Silk Kozar corner. Both right. of y'all. Yes. Y'all back to see what. This is the segment of the show where I take a deep dive into some piece of tangential internet trivia inspired by Silk Cozart, the actor and eraser. All right, where are we headed? Uh, I don't know, because either we're going to record this at a later date, or this is going to be on the show and we're just going to skip this. We will see. So if you're hearing this, that means we never went back and recorded this part of the show. I've been busy. Look, it was either this or not record the episode, so what are you going to do? Let's move on to the body count. You said it was going to be a short episode. There you go. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. I had no choice. You had a choice. All right, give it. Let's do the body count. All right, I got to switch over to my dedicated body count computer. All right. So, this was a tough body count. I was doing a lot of guesswork. I don't know. I, did you do a body count? I'm curious to know I where couldn't you in the tunnel. I mean, you get a few, like, charred cars and... yeah. I assumed every car was at least one fatality, but it's hard to tell because there could be multiple in the car. That's what I did. If you could see multiple people in the car, I counted okay. them up. But if, otherwise, it was... Well, I did not. Any car where nobody steps out of the car, perfectly unscathed. Like, like we said, everyone's either fine or dead. So if, if no one steps out of the car, they're probably dead. Yeah, so I, only, I wound up counting really just the people we became invested in. So that's all I've got. Okay, well, pl- there, I counted a lot of uh, bias numbers. All right, what do, you, what do we got? So I ended up with a total of 49. Wow, that's more than I would have guessed. That are shown. I, that many cars in the Holland Tunnel, actually, that's probably life. I mean, literally, the whole tunnel, a fireball, like a nuclear blast, travels the entire length of the tunnel. So yes. you would assume that probably... Well, at a, in a minimum, you know, three jewel thieves bite it. Oh, they definitely die. There's no way. And, and I counted, I think, two people per truck because we see two yeah. people get in each truck. Yep. Um, I've got a breakdown here, but it doesn't matter. I ended up with 49. Stallone is pretty peaceful. He's a hero. He's yep. there to save the day. So He, he just blows a lot of things up. He does blow a lot of uh, walls and ceilings. That's, that's uh, his focus. I can definitely say it's still fewer explosions than Rambo 3. That's definitely true. But in this case, two out of the three explosions were for positive uh, purposes. Yes. Rambo doesn't have any positive purpose. He, he's he, he's using his explosions to kill people. Sylvester Stallone in this movie does not kill anybody. So that gives Sylvester Stallone currently an average body count of 11.26. Again, we're comparing Donald Schwarzenegger. Uh, I have a secret for you. We're recording this before we recorded the Terminator Dark Fate episode. So I don't know what Arnold's uh, current average body count is. I, we, we reported it last episode, I'm sure, because that one's going to go up before this one, even though we're recording them in reverse order. So yeah, but my, behind the scenes uh, little report there. My recollection, though, is that all of the Terminators after the original Terminator, Arnold himself, he always... That's probably true. Did not, We saw the movie in the theaters. I don't remember it, but that's probably he, true. He pretty much just comes on to fight the T... Oh, man. Wasn't the T-1 million. No. That was a spider. <laughs> Uh, rep, the rep, <laughs> rev nine, I think. You're right. Yes, rev so nine. So he pretty much just comes to fight that. So I'm gonna, I'm going to guess it's zero. Yeah, it's so let's assume it's so zero. If you add one more movie to this, basically you probably get what they're correct. Well, then I, I don't know. Uh, I have to redo the average, but Arnold had an av- a total body count of 546. So assuming that's not going to change, uh, and also <clears throat> I recalculated the way I was 
calculating Stallone's what what, what he's on pace for because I forgot that he's made a couple movies in the last couple years and never added those. So actually, even though he didn't kill anybody, his pace has gone up because he's made more movies since then. So he's probably killed some people in at least one or two of those. I don't know what backtrace is about, but odds are there's a, there's a decent chance he kills someone in that. So yep. uh, <clears throat> Stallone's currently on pace for a body, total body count of 630. All right. <clears throat> so assuming that Arnold's didn't move, again, we're, we're, we're doing this backwards because two weeks ago we knew how many uh, what Arnold's average body count is. His average certainly moved, but I don't know what it is. Look, this is our first episode back in a while. It's going to be a little ramshackle. We got this deep into the episode without getting to the uh, ramshackle parts. What are you going to do? <laughs> we held together for like an hour and a Get half. Get the wrecking crew aboard. This thing's derailing. I know. I'm getting back. I also need to move that spreadsheet to the right computer because I got to switch every time. All right, Wrecking Crew Award. Outstanding achievement here. Explosion. Explosion. Oh, the Wrecking Crew Award. This is the segment of the show where we give an award to the character, most of the time character, who wrecked the most shop. Yes. I would just like to say, Walter, the plane has crashed into the mountain. Look, uh, look, rest assured, I only have two modes. One is doing way too much preparation and like over-preparing or like just winging it. Okay. So this is just one of those winging it. I'm sorry. I've been All busy right. at work. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you lead off with the wrecking crew. This isn't going to make sense if we go back and re- uh, record a Silk Cozart because everyone's going to be like, why are they talking? I mean, I, at this point, I think it's probably like, sorry. I think it's fair to say this episode is going to be Silk Cozart-less. I had a very good run where I never missed one. That's that's a segment where I have to do some research. But whatever. We, we, had, we who, had a very spirited conversation that went longer than we expected, so whatever. We'll, we'll get, skip Silk Cozart. Who gets your Wrecking Crew award? I'm giving it to the Death Wish punks. They, they caused this whole thing through their incompetence. Mine is very close. Yeah. However, I went with the accelerant. Environmental contaminants is the Wrecking Crew award. <laughs> wow, that's, that's like giving the award to the inanimate carbon rod. That's why I let off with most of the time it's a character, but every once in a while... <laughs> Congratulations to Contaminants. You're our winner. What's this, the tip? Contaminants and unnamed punks. We're really getting... Street toughs. Yeah, we're getting esoteric. But, I mean, both are correct. Oh, yeah. Those two things collided, and that's what caused this whole movie to happen. The unstoppable force and the immovable object. Yeah, so I think we're both correct. All right. All right, let's rate the movie. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad uh, the segment of the show, the Rocky rating, where we rate the movie for based upon Rocky opponents from the top of the mountain, Apollo Creed, to the lowest valley, Spider Rico. It's not a hierarchical scale. Yes, it I is. I insist. All right. Well, I, I think I gave it a... I was more generous than uh, you. I'm I think. sure you were. So go. you go first. I, I want to be so more positive. I didn't you. hate this movie, but there were a few mo- amusing moments, but it was mostly absurd. I went with Tommy Gunn. Okay, and I gave it to Mason Dixon. So All right, pretty close. Not, I was about to say one match ahead of you. You're, you're, you've infected me with your... your it it's is not, a it's hierarchy. Not, it's not one... <laughs> Mike is so mad, he's throwing his phone around. It's a hierarchy. Here, right. Here's the thing. I could probably be convinced and talked into that it was a little more fun than my rating. I think we both agree on the level of fun that it was, but th- there's just too much in this movie that was boring for me to give it a higher rating than Tommy Gunn. If it had been like it was... 
for the first 40 minutes or so, if it had maintained that level of absurdity. And it's just, it, it's this kind of like wacky 90s movie that doesn't know how wacky it is and they don't make movies like this anymore. Like, no. I, I wonder if audiences in the 90s realized how ridiculous this movie is or if it just seemed like another movie. It's like, this is the way movies were in the 90s where they were just silly. Like, it, there was it, a lot Independence of Independence Day-esque where it's like everyone took that movie seriously. Like, oh, this is a... Very, this is the next Star Wars. And you Today watch it now. we celebrate yeah. our Independence Day. You watch it now and you're laughing through the whole thing because it's so ridiculous. But at the time, no, I, people took that movie seriously. People thought this was a masterpiece. And no. It, well, some people did. Some people did. I didn't. I, I enjoyed it and had fun. Yeah. But I always thought it was absurd. Yeah, okay. I, I, but here's the thing is there was a lot of this because you did. You had right around this time Con Air, Armageddon. There mm-hmm. was a lot of nonsense. Much, this fit right in. Much like Independence Day, we have to cheer for a dog being saved that doesn't jump from a fireball in like an Independence it's, Day. You're right. It's true. If only uh, uh, what uh, Cooper is the dog's name. I know because that's the same name my sister's dog is, Cooper. If only Cooper jumped away from a fireball, then this movie would have been jumped up. I could have knocked well, it up another notch. It, it, that that might have got it to Mason Dixon for me and Clubber Lang for you. Yeah, I think so. All well, right. well, Ivan Drago. Maybe not Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang would be really pushing it for this movie. This is not a good movie. Um, so anyway. All right. So where uh, where do we go next? It's your pick. It's my pick. Sadly, I let off the season with this trash. Well, you know what? There's It's slim pickings, so I don't. I, it's going to be... I think it's going to be uh, this some is rough the back, going for a back while. half of the season. So the the categories there's there's not a lot to choose from. There's not a lot to choose from. So I'm going to go to the pre-Rocky category. Oh god! There's only two movies. Well, two and a half technically. Uh, I thought about going for the uh, um, the Capone movie. I think it's just called Capone. I, I think forget. so. Yeah. But I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to save that. We're going to go to Sylvester Stallone's first movie. It is barely available anywhere. Oh, great. It is available... Well, it was originally was released in 1973 as uh, No Place to Hide. This version of the movie is apparently unavailable anywhere. No place to find. <laughs> yes, exactly. No place to find. Uh, but then when Sylvester Stallone became famous, they re-released it and recut it to maximize his part. And they, re- they released it as Rebel in 1980. That version of it is available for free on YouTube. Uh, hopefully, it'll still be available. I'll tell you this. It was posted to YouTube two years ago. It has like 58 views. <laughs> so it is a <laughs> very obscure movie. So we're going to cover Rebel. Oh, my God. I've got to watch a movie that has been available for free. For two years, and you're telling me mm-hmm. 58 times it's been viewed. It's been, uh, well, it, it, it took me a while to even find it. I knew it was on YouTube because I, I noted it when we started doing this. And then I had, <laughs> uh, yesterday, uh, actually today, I was trying to find it. And I could not find it on YouTube. I eventually did find it. So, I mean, I, it's a it's a very low-budget, independent movie from the, the look of it. And then, here's what we're, I'm going to say. It was re-released once again as a parody Called a man called Rainbow, I think in 1990, where they like took the footage and added wacky voiceovers over the top of it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna commit us to watch that whole thing because that looks really bad. I've seen like a clip of it and I'm like, there's no way, there's no way either of us will make it through that. Oh, uh, please don't do that to me. No, that's what I'm saying. We don't have to do it. Okay. So we're gonna watch and discuss Rebel, the 1980 version of this recut movie from the early 70s. 
And uh, I, I would recommend let's at least watch the beginning of A Man Called Rain, but watch as much as you can tolerate. I will do the same. <laughs> is this like, <laughs> is this a challenge to see who can make it through the? <laughs> if you want to make it a challenge, we can do that. Put some money on the line. You want to do that? You want to put five bucks on the line? Who can go the farthest without, I without quitting? I think I'd rather join a tontine and the last surviving <laughs> member gets a copy of Rebel on DVD. Well, I don't know if Rebel's good or not. I mean, literally, like, nobody has seen it. Like, I can't even, like, there's, like, very few, like, impressions of it. I don't know how easy it'll be. And hopefully, this YouTube video will be available worldwide if people want to watch. I wouldn't recommend it. It doesn't look like it's going to be uh, a fun time, but we got to cover it. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got we to do it at some point. Let's just do it now. How how many times? How many times do we do we utter the words on this podcast? We've got to do it sometime. You know, Sylvester Stallone has acknowledged he's made a lot of bad movies. I'm I I'm hopeful it will at least be interesting. It'll be interesting as a document of this is the beginning of Stallone's career. He's like 25 in it or something. It's it's you know all right it'll be interesting to see him that young like even because death race was 75 right i think this movie was filmed in 1970 released in 73 lost until 1980 recut to maximize sylvester stallone's part so it'll it's a strange one but we got to cover it it's enough of a part it seems like i mean they recut it to maximize his part so i gotta think he's in it enough that it qualifies for this podcast no one said this would be easy like watching every Sylvester Stallone movie, this isn't like watching every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, where at least you've got his persona to fall back on. This was you can we we knew say that this was again. we we knew that there would be. I I think I said on the the episode we announced we were doing every Stallone movie. I said the highs will be higher and the lows will be lower. This is just what we have to put up with. I've, on the other hand, we got to watch Rocky, one of the greatest movies ever made. So you know what? That's a small price to pay to have to watch Rebel. So join us next time or don't. I don't know. When we watch Rebel. If you've enjoyed the show, please write us a favorable review and like us on your podcast app of choice. Let us know what you think of our next selection, Rebel, at Arms Race Podcast on Twitter. I, I know what we think about it. Look, we're not happy about it. We, we have our due diligence to do. We have our mission. We've, we've got to f- climb through the, these we've, fans, these dangerous fans that are Stallone's filmography. Just Sometimes like I we was get rooting for the fan. fans against Nicolas Cage. I'm rooting for the fan to get me. <laughs> the fan may get us. We'll see how we feel about Rebel. Well, <laughs> we planned to watch No Place to Hide. Yeah, well, we, we had to pull an audible. Yes. And so I stepped in and moved up my pick. I, I'm... Keen was like the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL draft about a decade ago. Where, <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear this analogy. They, uh, they just they were on the clock and didn't make their pick in time. And I think I think it was because they wanted to. They thought they could get their player two picks later and be able to pay them less. So they just okay. I do remember this. Now. <laughs> tried to let other teams move up ahead of them. Wait a minute, though. In, in this <laughs> the analogy, analogy, may not be right because I watched the movie and you were too slow, as I recall. So you're the one who didn't make it, the pick in time. It is true. If you're going to throw blame around, here's the. Th- Thing, I'm rubbering your glue. I also thought we were going to be recording sooner, but then there was a very uh, unfortunate circumstance, the reason why we couldn't. Yeah, this and is then, the first episode. Or we're about to record the next episode after this yeah. one, so we're, we're re-recording the ending of the uh, Daylight episode because, uh, yeah, it's been like, I don't know, five weeks, yeah. uh, which is why this, this season is going to be a little rough. But uh, circumstances intervened, 
And so by the time you got around to watching or trying to watch No Place to Hide, it was taken off of YouTube because I had found <laughs> it sounded like by literally by a day. Oh, it was yeah. I watched it the day before. You were like, "Hey, this isn't there." It was it was someone uploaded the whole thing to YouTube because it's this movie that you can't find anywhere, and it's seemingly no one cared about the copyright. But apparently, that was wrong. It was uploaded two years ago, and it only had like 150 views total. It's probably why oh, now of all times someone found well, it and took it. Maybe down. there is a threshold of views, and you and I taking a look for this podcast put it over where the that, algorithm picked it up. That might be not the Escape Plan Two algorithm, no, but the, the YouTube the algorithm, Google algorithm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it could be. It's actually not out of the realm of possibility that yeah. I pushed it over some that threshold. <laughs> We destroyed it, uh, but anyway, I, I did watch it, and I don't think it was all that terrible. I was it was oh, better okay. than I was expecting. All right, well, um, where, whereas uh, a man called Rainbow, which is the re-edited parody version, that's still on YouTube, and I could not recommend that less. It is, <laughs> it is execrable. It is awful. It is so bad. I, I actually, you know, most of the time I give like the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt. Like, you know, they tried to make something good. I think these people should be arrested. Whoever made a man <laughs> oh, called Rainbow. Geez. It is so terrible. That is harsh. All right. Well, so I decided uh, to call the Audible, and I moved what was going to be my pick up because it, I knew it was available, and we could. And it was actually a relatively short movie too, so I figured on short notice we'd be able to get move this one forward. So yeah. I pulled from the comedy genre. I decided to select Avenging Angelo. So that is what we are going to record shortly hereafter. Yeah. And then it will be Kevin will move back and and get his pick and, and we'll move forward from yeah there. it's my own fault I I miss I am losing my pick essentially because I picked a movie that is not available on any platform or any legitimate platform I did send you that link to that like just that weird crooked like yeah. I don't know if it was a Russian site or something it was I was not, a little concerned yeah no, so. no it was not uh, going to happen <laughs> anyway so uh, yeah so we'll be back with Avenging Angelo. Angelo. 